Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. The rugby podcast that is here 52 weeks of the year, every year. And actually, we've got a little something to say about that in just a moment. Uh, first off, in the rugby dungeon with me is JB. Hello, Tim. Hello. And uh, and in the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container is Phil. Hello, Tim. Hello, JB. Hello, Philip. How are you? Very good, thank you. Enjoying being in the shipping container somewhere in the world. Happy New Year to you both. Oh, yes. Happy New yes. Year. That yeah. snuck happy. past. Didn't what, it? Well, what did you do for New Year, Tim? Just a quiet one, obviously. Quiet one. Yeah. Phil? Very quiet one. I was, to... I was trying to be asleep before midnight, and unfortunately I missed it by about five minutes. Well, the the, the TV um, executives and the t- <laughs> broadcasters, they were trying their very best to help you to that end. <laughs> because bearing in mind they had, you know, like sixty million people, captive audience, all stuck in their homes, not able to do much. You'd have thought they would have gone. This is our chance. We can be relevant. We can be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. We can capture a moment. I've, it was absolutely awful. They are dreadful <laughs> TV executives. Whoever is in charge of putting out programming now, except for BT Sport, which is the only <laughs> channel that Obviously. I watch. They're absolutely, absolutely horrendous. Mm. I remember when TV used to be good with shows like. Blockbusters and neighbours, but now yeah, Ross. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Um, did Did you notice, by the way, during the Gloucester game? Because um, I did have a Negroni on on uh, New Year's Eve. But did, did you notice they met Ali Eakin and Ugo Monier were were, were, go, were were talking up the Negroni yeah, during the Gloucester game? I felt a little bit uh, a little bit slanted by, by that. I thought they might have referenced us in there somewhere. Uh, I mean, we did actually invent the, the Negroni. We were the first people yeah. to ever combine those spirits. Into that combination, yeah, correct. And they ignored us, correct, completely ignored us. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mentioned that we've got something to mention in terms of uh, every year, fifty-two weeks a year, every year. Uh, Phil did a bit of investigative journalism. This uh, is incredible. I can't believe you found this out, Phil. And this is not like you. And worked out that we made an error some time ago, which means that we've told you some false information about. Um, our tenure as the world's longest-running podcast, rugby podcast. Yeah, turns out we were wrong. Phil? Yeah. Um, it, I can't... I'd love to give credit to who um, alerted me to this. It was someone on Twitter, um, a, a very well-informed and very dull, uh, diligent and thorough listener, pointed out that um, this was actually our eighth season that we've been promoting as um, season seven. Um, and they are correct. Um we had, for an unknown reason, we had, in, if you go back through the hundreds of episodes that we've recorded over the past uh, eight, eight seasons, uh, we had two seasons, four. So season 
16 and 17, sorry, 16, 17, and then season 17, 18 were both labelled as season four. <laughs> what um, a bunch of clowns. <laughs> so, so we are actually in season eight, not season seven. What do we do about this now? And then, well, I think we launch a, we, that we launch a Patreon because most Patreons work, don't they? Which is they'll give you something extra if you decide to become a patron. We've given you a whole season for free, and you've given us no recognition, <laughs> zero. <laughs> All right, let's let's do that. Yeah, well, I think we should look we we should look into that this week. Yeah, let's look into that this week. Do you know? What? I'm just looking around the rugby dungeon right now, and one of the reasons I would love to set up a, a Patreon to clear so, it out. I mean, to no, give no, away... yeah, to help. Well, to clear out. To, no, yeah, no. Actually, a spring clean is in order in this rugby dungeon. The number of rugby jerseys are here. If we had an elite group of people supporting us and with us on this journey we could we we could have a potential home for some of these jerseys which one do you think is most valuable i know which one's most valuable to me obviously the one that's most valuable to me and i think is probably the most valuable uh, is the one that i managed to get from canterbury as the very last of its kind uh-uh, wrong answer. Oh, the, the Japan 2015. Yeah, it's a nice jersey. The, Japan, the jersey. Japan 2015 rugby jersey, which you remember, they won the game against South Africa. Everyone was Japan mad that year. It's a, it's a gorgeous kit. And Canterbury ran out and no one out. could find them anywhere. And uh, I was working at the World Cup fan zone and I managed to blag the last one. Did you steal had. it off a child? <laughs> Is that the story? Off their back. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's not the most valuable one. The nope. most valuable one, which will never go, ever. Tom Brady, 14. Yes. Tom correct. Brady, 14, printed, I'm reliably informed by the kit lady, yeah? Who worked in, well, not kit lady. lady an an actual match-worn jersey. An, uh, so, do you know, the story behind that that, uh, that jersey was, I went to watch a friendly against Leicester, where Tom Brady played his first game. And, of course, his name was Tom Tom Brady, and everyone got very excited that Tom Brady was Brady was playing. He, um, he, he scored. And then for whatever reason it was, I went back on the Tuesday. Uh, this is up to Stockport. And there's a whole rack of players' shirts which have been pre-worn. So what they do is they get shirts for players. So if you'd been, say, if you started at one, they would have your size in the one shirt and they'd, and they'd wash it and reuse it. And 17. And then 17, yeah. So yeah. if you'd been a 17 too, so on and so forth. So there was a shirt which i'm reliably informed is that one there which was worn by no other than avion lewis roberts but it was unmarked <laughs> so it's a brady 14 <laughs> shirt in avion lewis roberts size that is a rarity xxl yeah it, there's literally not another one like it in the world <laughs> possibly the most valuable one um for in, in wales or in australia <laughs> would be the chris robshaw signed england World Cup 2015 jersey. My personal... Well, actually, that might be my... <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that for cathartic reasons, really. Yeah. Is, isn't that one kind of soiled after JB? Didn't you wear it all the way back from the Canterbury launch in London? You up did. To the, up to the studio no, on I, a very I, hot I, summer's day. I only wore it in the studio. <laughs> but it has, been, it... Uh, it has been marked by, <laughs> by life. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got, you've got all sorts of other ones here. Do you know what? I can't even tell you which ones we've got because the clubs that they came from, which were kindly donated to by those clubs, local Northwest clubs, they might have something to say about why these shirts are here. So I can't say anything about the Liverpool St. Helens shirt I've got or <laughs> the Northwich shirt I've got I, or the or the Petlelli shirt I've, I've got or the Wrexham shirt I've got. Can't say anything about that. Let's hope as well, thinking about um, 
people that have supported us and, and you for listening. Let's hope that 2021 sees the return of a tier two tour. Yes. Or some live yes. shows of some kind. That That's on our radar. Yes. Anyway, we'll update more on all of that next week. As as for this week, some, some news stories. Firstly, I think the Lions one is possibly the biggest one. It's not no news yet, but there's lots of rumours and rumblings that the Lions tour may not go ahead as planned in South Africa. Thoughts? Uh, it sounds reasonable. I mean, it sounds reasonable that, that would be the situation, bearing in mind the news which is shoved down our throats down um, in, in the UK, how dangerous it is, how kids can't, can't be educated, how the new South African strain is going to kill everyone, uh, and is vaccine-proof. It sounds perfectly reasonable that you wouldn't play a tournament o- over there. It's not my preference, but, you know, it does sound right. And also... You know what is the Lions tour if it's not about the travelling fans? Yeah. yeah, that 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 is probably a really good point because the both from a spectacle perspective and for the the home the host nation having thousands or tens of thousands of travelling supporters is enormous. Yeah, um, it's it's a huge revenue bringer, um, and it makes the tour the the scenes that you get both on game day and throughout the whole of the rest of the. Um, four plus week period so if you can't i am i hope it can go ahead but if it can't go ahead properly with fans i would be of the opinion that the best thing to do is delay it by year if if you can make the calendar work yeah then yeah the calendar that that is the yeah that is the issue with the world cup being the following year with fixtures already being in place and the knock-on effect it would have so yeah i, I, I totally agree with you the other suggestion was that it's played in the British Isles and Ireland. Not so much, no thank you. No, I don't want that. I mean, it's bad no. for us as rugby fans. As British and Irish rugby fans, it's bad. And it's pretty bad for the players because for many players, you only become a lion once. Uh, for some, you're lucky enough to do it two or three times. But for many, it's just once. It's devastating for South African rugby because they are the guys that will get the revenue. They are the guys that only have once uh, have one chance every 12 years. It's actually a, a lot more serious for them. Uh, but if it can't be done in South Africa, I don't want it done in, in the UK. I think it's probably best to scrap it for that one year or go to France. You've mentioned this before. Yeah. So uh, I'll just tell you a little bit, a, a little, a quick little story on on, on this. Um, Alex Payne of other rugby podcast fame mentioned that we should do it on on, um, on, on, on UK shores. So I find him a quick text. I was like, Alex, you've missed the boat completely here. They need to play France. And he informed me that they've already played France in 1989. Was that a warm-up game like when they played uh, Argentina in 2005, I want to say? Must have been. Before they went down. So 89, they would have gone to Australia. Yeah. So maybe it was a little send-off game before before they went off to Australia. Yeah, so it already happened. And that was pre-professionalism, so they, they it wasn't there was no club v country kind of no. issues with scheduling and stuff. And they probably went there by boat, and it took six months and all the rest of it. I, I <laughs> because I saw that that tweet you you put out I, the the French kit against the Lions kit does look great, doesn't it, it? It just looks it does look glamorous. I mean, and yeah, you can have a get you could, you could go around France. It, it would be cool. That would be cool. It'd be the coolest because well, the midweek games would be. Br- I mean, they might be worse than. The actual test games, those French clubs would be uh, meaning business. I know it's short notice, but look, they set up the Autumn Nations Championship in less than three days. And surely they can, I mean, if the money's right, because this is all about money, right? Ultimately, 
all professional rugby is all about money all of the, all of the time. France will never get another chance to see the Lions. All you need to do is make it worthwhile for the clubs. And I'm sure they've got other things on their mind uh, you know, involving their own, their own tournaments. But they can get it done. Mm. It it cuts the costs. It's got to be South. Fans. It's got to be South Africa. Uh, uh, could Why it, not France? Could, could it be done late later this year? Could it be done in the autumn? I don't think that it can. W- that would be my thought. But then if you put it off once and then you have to put it off again, God no, we can't still yeah. be we can't still be talking about this at the end of this year. Tell you what though, not to be too cynical about it, but the TV revenue, uh, because I guess the TV revenue from over here wouldn't change. And the French TV revenue combined is going to be massive, absolutely massive. They'd be mad. so. Are you proposing? Are you proposing a full tour to France against French teams? Hundred percent. And they could even base themselves in the UK if they if they so wanted. Mid to. midweek against Racing, followed by a game at the Stade de France. Yeah, you've got a midweek game against Toulon, followed by a game, uh, followed by a, a match in Marseille. Yes. Oh no, not not Marseille. Anyway, no, 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 not Marseille. <laughs> not, think not of Marseille. a stadium that's big think, enough. Think of the fans. Think of a stadium that's big enough. <laughs> or maybe you nip to do do one in Rome. Yeah, you could do one in Rome. You could see Italy. I mean, if we're short of midweek teams. No, uh, no. This, we, we, yeah, I, it would be a great idea. It's not. It's got to be South Africa, and I don't know what how you French solve barbarians. This one. I don't know how you solve this one. Uh, well, so, I think the obvious answer is cancel it. I think postpone. Yeah. But to when though, Phil? Well, the the following summer, as in twenty twenty two, because there's no World Cup that year. Mm. So it, that that's the only time, and you just cancel the summer tours for twenty twenty two, postpone it by twelve months. Maybe, maybe. If people had extended uh, rest over this summer, because a lot of people, um, particularly well, the Eng- anyone playing in England, will have played pretty much con- continuous rugby from July through to June. So 12 months of continuous rugby. So give them a break. Uh, apart from the Saracens lads, of course, but give them a break uh, and do it the following year. Mm. Well, my final word on I'm this just, is go to France. I'm just looking at the... Um, the game against France, the, the last game against France, 31 years ago. Yep. And it was totally outside of the tour, as in it was the same year as the tour, but it was six months later. Really? The, wow. Yeah, the, the tour, five months later. The tour was between, ah. May, and Ju- tour between May and July, um, so a, a two-month tour. And then in October of that year, France played the British and Irish Lions in a 27-29 away win for the British and Irish Lions because it was played at the Parc des Princes. That's... Um, and, yeah, it was played in October as part of the bicentennial of the French Revolution. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wow. the I love it. The wow. celebrations. See, sport two... and politics shouldn't mix. Well, except for that one. <laughs> uh, do you know, now you mention it being played outside of a calendar, a test calendar, or a tour calendar, sorry. It does ring some bells because some bright sparks were asking about a Lions test when the New Zealand team came over here to tour as a decider, which is quite exciting. Okay. And they yeah. referenced another game which was outside of a tour window, and it must have been that one. But, yeah, yes. the answer is no to that. Uh, what, yeah. What other news do we get? Oh, the uh, Her Majesty the Queen is a bit of a rugby fan. Uh, she, she's been following the rugby clearly because uh, she's made... Rob Baxter giving him an order of the British Empire and 
Joe Simmons has whatever the M stands for, the medal. Member. 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 Of the British I know that Correct. because I do another podcast and every member of the podcast has an OBE or an MBE other than me. And Wonderful. I feel incredibly you, inadequate about it. You've just not got it yet, JB. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I will get it at some point. How do you get nominated for all that sort of stuff? Who uh, nominates? Well, I know another person who's got an MBE and she got it because she knew the Prime Minister, effectively. Yeah. I mean, that's... I can I can believe that, funnily enough. Yeah, I, I think if you're in the forces, uh, you need. I mean, that's an easy route. It's an easy route in, isn't it? Because of the well, traditional, relatively speaking. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Sorry, can I just be? Clear? I was going to say it's not easy going into active duty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying the forces <laughs> flying, are easy. Flying helicopters in and out of war zones. No, no, I'm not saying the forces are easy. But I'm saying the route to honours is easy because it's yeah. very, it's very well established. Yes. Whereas if you are, I don't know, into crypto, uh, I'm not entirely sure you could get honours to crypto for, for cryptocurrency. <laughs> Because they're not exactly linked to the palace, are they? I've, everyone's going on about Bitcoin lately. I forgot I bought some about five, six years ago. Yeah, I, did I, you? I, it's, you? Looking, it's looking good now. How much have you got? Uh, it's, it's not not life changing. Oh, six sm- bitcoins, small a small amount, seven bitcoins, a small amount, but it's doubled. So I was quite <laughs> happy about that. So I <laughs> once met a, a lady who had oh, can I tell her story? Yeah, I can. Um, who had half a million quid's worth of Bitcoin. At three hundred pound, <gasps> and wow, yeah, and at that point, and it's twenty six thousand now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I've had two DMs today alone. Sorry, one WhatsApp and one DM about should I go go into Bitcoin? And the answer is no. The answer is absolutely do not do it as an as an investment. But yeah, she she did, and the the advice given to her was to encash it. Which looking at, back at the advice now, it seems a bit daft. But yeah, sell it at a slight loss. Mm. God, yeah. If she held on to that, it's worth quite a lot more than that now. Quite well, a hundred, bit. hundred times more. Uh, yeah, substantial, subst- a substantial amount. Imagine. Yeah, that. yeah. Imagine. But uh, congratulations to Rob Baxter. The reason I asked about who nominates is because, and this this is not in any way me trying to take anything away. You know how much I love Rob Baxter. I've heard, and uh, I would not want to take anything away from that. Richly deserved. But how did Mark McCall not get one? Good question, isn't it? It's a good question. Yeah, it was. How informed was the Queen about um, Saracen's salary cap breaches? <laughs> well, when they were in the... Pro- well, maybe she's so in the know, she knew what was going on before anybody. Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if part of these honours... I don't know why I think this, but they're sort of to recognise that Exeter have done it, not only the hard way, but in some ways have suffered quite a lot of injustice in the past. Because... You would argue that had Saracens had a team which fitted in the cap, and no, actually, I'll say, I'll say this much: if Saracens had a team that fitted in the cap, they'd probably have exactly the same team as the one which was outside side the cap, um, because they would have figured out a way to keep, keep to keep keep them together. I don't think their cap breaches meant they could keep the players that, that they had, but that's besides the point. Theoretically, and their cap breaches didn't enable them to win all of the trophies. Yes, it just assisted them with some of the latter ones. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I wonder if it's some of it is like, well, you've done this despite the fact that you had to overcome the Saracens obstacle. And had Saracens not been there in the past, you probably would have a lot more. Here's some honours. Yeah, the, mm. the stories are different because as well as that, you've also got the the long-term story of Exeter coming from nowhere and 10 years ago coming into the Premiership and then their rise to the top and not just the top of the English game, but the top of the Northern Hemisphere game. Well, they, so it yeah. is... They're different stories, they are. definitely. Joe Simmons, though. 
<laughs> 24 yeah. years old. The club, the club captain last year was Jack Yendall, and Joe Simmons was made skipper not long before the final. <laughs> yeah, poor Jack Yendall. <laughs> uh, how do you think he took that phone call like as a wind-up? Well, that's exactly what... Um, well, I think Rob Baxter said he when he got the email, he thought it was, you know, like... <laughs> Nigerian prince getting in touch or something. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm assuming Joe Simmons has loads of pranks from his teammates saying, oh, by the way, Eddie's on the phone. <laughs> and then he takes it. And then someone one day went, by the way, the Queen's actually calling you. Yeah, sure, mate. <laughs> Is it Eddie again? Yeah, sure. Well, it couldn't have happened to some nicer guys anyway. What, yeah, wonderful news. Yeah, I did I did love the official Exeter Chiefs um, and team announcement on the Friday, midday on Friday, which actually had number 10, Joe Simmons, MBE. Yes. <laughs> there's oh, no nice. there's no reason to put it, put it in there. There's every reason. There. There's every it's reason. Brilliant. If I had one, I'd, I think you actually have a medal, don't you? You, you get yes. given an actual medal, yeah? Yeah, because I've got no, yeah. I, I know another person who had the medal stolen. Um, what What's the order? So you've got... K? You've got, uh, like, knighthood, uh, but then above that there is the... Grand Knight, is it? Yeah, well, there's there's one that only something like 12 people at any one time can have. Is that right? Yeah. Here we go. Grand, Grand Wizard. Knight, Knight Grand Cross or Dame Grand Cross Bloody of the hell. most excellent order of the British Empire. So who has them, Phil? Oh, great question. Let's see if I can get a list. Oh, is that, that, I don't know if that's the one that there's only 12 at a time. There's one award, uh, one like J.K. Rowling well, has it. and J.K. Uh, Rowling has it? J.K. Rowling has whichever one this is. And is that Grand Cross is the highest class in many orders? Okay. In the United Kingdom, rank allows you to use the honorifics uh, or dame. That is initially confirmed in the country. Hmm. There's definitely some one that, that, that like uh, only a certain number of people, and it's when someone dies, they vacate that spot, and oh, someone wow. else can be awarded one. And there's but there's a couple of different ones like that. One that has like sixty four people on it, and one that has twelve people on it. Amazing stuff. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah, mm. I don't think anyone in rugby occupies any of those positions. No. So it goes GBE, which is Knight Grand Cross, then KBE Knight Commander, or DBE Dame Knight Commander. Commander. That sounds great. It does sound good. Midnight Midnight Commander. <laughs> uh, CBE commander, OBE officer, and MBE member of the most excellent order of the British Empire. Well, 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 love it. Well, well done, mm. well, well done, uh, uh, Joe Simmons and Rob Baxter. Absolutely superb stuff. Do you think that Exeter Chiefs should do that thing which some towns do and now put Royal in front of their name, Royal Exeter <laughs> Chiefs? Like Royal Leamington <laughs> Spa. That'd be good. Royal Exeter Chiefs. I do like that. I like that. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. Hmm. Some some people would. Oh no, because if they changed their name to Exeter Royals, there would some people would <laughs> would still find that offensive. The Exeter Royals. There we go. <laughs> I'd like that. No, Royal Exeter Chiefs sounds even better. That sounds and awesome. you have to refer to them like that, or maybe you can just do it by initials. REC. REC. Yeah. REC. The RECs. Love it. Uh, what else? Uh, what else is going on in the world? Um, there is. Oh yeah, one thing I want to ask about. A lot, there's been a lot of people talking about the the points that are awarded for games cancelled due to COVID complications. Yes. Now, whereas towards the end of the Premiership season, when it happened to sale, there were loads of people who were saying instantly, 
Look how out of order. I told you that they were innocent. Look I how told you. look how out of order <laughs> Sale are. They've been boozing it up and they've been taking the piss. And why can't they just follow the rules like every other club? Yeah, exactly. I think now we've learned actually, you know. Well, I told no, you we haven't learned that viruses do what viruses are going to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like or. Uh, PCR tests are going to do what PCR tests are going to do. Maybe that's more accurate. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, it is... <laughs> yeah, to, to be shocked that the virus spreads around rugby teams is like being shocked. Do you know when that... Uh, who was the fam- famous tiger, uh, tiger tamer that got his head bitten off by a tiger? <laughs> like, what were you expecting? Yeah, yeah, it, it's what Las happened. Vegas. Who, Las who, Vegas tiger t- tamers. Yes, yeah, it, it, you know, it, 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 it's going to end badly. Uh, we're, we're in a time where we're hypersensitive about this virus. I don't think it's going to harm many professional rugby players. It might make, make, uh, make them ill or what have you. Uh, but it does get around, and it's very, very hard, hard to contain. And once it's in an environment, it's very, very hard to, to contain and, and stop. So games have been and will continue to be cancelled consequently. And in Europe, they have... a. Uh, five points given to the side who have not quote unquote caused the cancellations it's hard to sort of blame anything it's just one of those things mm. uh, and whereas in the premiership it's four points to the team that didn't cause the cancellation uh, no sorry two points to the team that caused the cancellation four points to the team that didn't is one right and one wrong mm, one's more right Neither, both are imperfect but i think that the european one is right Five points v zero points. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the reason is, look, you can't fulfil your fixture, but let's just say you could. You're going to get battered because your first team aren't um, your first team aren't out. Well, it could be just a few players, and it could be a few staff members or academy members. Yeah, but you know, it, it is what it is. Now, what? what uh, and like I say, it is imperfect. Now, the other one, four plus two, is wrong. I think because how many teams? Or how many games I should say end in six points, four plus two? So you'd have to have a, you'd have to have a team winning without scoring four tries. It's another team which did score four tries and, and ended up within seven. So it's perfectly possible. But I would say if you look back at the scores from last year, maybe two, three, four games. I don't think it'll be it'll be many. Now the reason that's in, sorry, um, that's right. The reason I think that's important is because the overall points yield from a game. Is important now. If all five go to the winner, that's one thing. But if it's four plus two, um, that's bad for everyone else in the league except for those for those teams because the average points that you'll score, that you'll you'll get a game, or the average you know the average points per, per game, I'd say, are probably less than three. Does that make sense? Less than three. Yeah, because you, let's. Because you win some, you lose some. You know, if you're a mid-table team, every, every game that you go out, what is the average? What 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 are the average points that you get? Okay, yeah, I see what you mean then. Yeah. So the average per team per game. So it's unfair to all the team, all the teams around you. I don't think you should get any points if you technically lose a game. I'm not saying, that you but that's get... well, that that's that's what this comes down to: lose the game. Have they lost the game? I think the the European one and what the Premiership did last year. They like, for example, Sale were given zero points and Worcester were given five points. Yeah, uh, that to me feels punitive to things out of all ordinary control. We can go into testing and things. And Does that... it not feel punitive to the teams around them? Well, so for example, and this is this is I don't want to go down this particular rabbit hole too far, but for example, the test that they use doesn't actually test people that have a live virus. If you had it a month ago and you cough up a bit of 
dead virus, you You'll can, you can yeah, come yeah, up yeah, as positive. Yeah. So just it, with with the way the testing is done and the way that the fact that we this virus works, I think being punitive to a team who happen to have a few cases in their camp and out of safety precautions due to the rules are not playing the game. I, I don't like the 5v0. I don't think there's a perfect answer. I prefer the 4v2. Phil? So, so I, I think um, both are imperfect, as you've both said. Um, and I, I agree. I don't particularly like... Because the 5v0 is... It's as if you're assigning blame. It is. It does come across as a little bit punitive. Um, the 4v2 I do have probably a bigger problem with because, uh, as Jay's kind of uh, mentioned, it's you're going to create additional points. And, and to a degree, you're incentivizing um, cancelling games because a lot of teams would look at an away fixture to, well, Wasps based on this w- weekend's performance, but away f- fixture against Wasps or an away fixture against Exeter, for example, or away at, at Bristol and say, there's no way we're getting any points out of this game under normal circumstances. Yeah. If we if we get go, a two go, point go and lick as many people as you can, yeah. quick. Well, yeah. do, do you know yeah, where they get... used to keep? Um, was it James Short they used to keep in a cupboard? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. COVID boy, COVID free boy. <laughs> they've got they've got COVID free boy and COVID boy now, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just thinking about what would have to ha- have to happen in a game for one team to get four points and one team to get two. The winning team would have to score. No more than three tries and yep. loads and loads of penalties. Exactly. And the losing team would have to score four tries and lose by less than seven points. Sounds, th- those games sound quite entertaining. Yeah, they do. I'm trying to think, <laughs> who would you... I mean, I guess you'd be playing Leicester Tigers. It... Well, Leicester Tigers managed to score 30-odd points whilst only scoring three tries today. Yeah, so 36 Leicester... points. But hang on, you need to play someone with a... Do you know what? It could have been today's game. It could have been today's game because they've got both got both got good good kickers. You can see them kicking the way to victory. But and Bath only got one bonus point today because uh, they didn't score four tries, even though they got thirty one yeah. points. Yeah, so if Bath had scored today, so that's what that game. So this is what that game looks like. It's like a twin. It's like a fifty point game. All the more reason to play these games. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> <laughs> I think four nil is probably the fairest way to do it. Four one. Four one. Four nil. Because I don't think losing. Yeah, no, four nil. You I shouldn't get anything. What, what I would like to understand, and it would be quite a simple calculation to do it, is what is the average points per game or per team that comes out of the Premiership over the last few years? And that's your starting points for the points that are available. And so, then assign the majority of them to the team that uh, didn't have the problem and the minority. So if it was the average is five points from a, a Premiership game over the last three seasons... It's going to be five points, and I would then say it's four points. There's three of us. One. There's three of us, uh, and you know we could have a democratic vote. We should be a polls panel for the Premiership and decide results that can't happen. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. That's I how mean, they used to do the polls panels when. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they Is still that... do it. When, when football used to have postponed games, and they had people that played the polls. I don't know if that's even still a thing, but they used to have a panel of people that would basically vote for a result and the. I mean that's the so controversial, would... isn't it? To have to, to have to vote for which which way you think a team would have. I mean, well, must... if it's a, if it's a large enough scale, if you had fifty very you know, very high you're... profile into you know people who know what they're talking about. No, not having that. I mean, no, I, I am having it. I like it, but I don't think it could exist in today's game. I do think though, there could be key metrics that teams have points scored, all these other things, you give them a weighted score. So if these two teams came together, 
you say, look, predicted, you know, judging on um, your your teams available and, you know, how you would have, how we predicted you would have f- performed, much like you have betting odds, which calculated, that's how you come, come to come to the well, result. Maybe that's how they should do it. They should, once they know the game's off, freeze the bookies just before and, yep. and go with them because they're, 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 <laughs> they're right more than they're wrong. <laughs> they're incredibly right. It's unbelievable. But like line-out success, scrum success, I mean, someone out there it would relish calculating that. There, have, there have been some people suggesting that there might be an incentive, as you said, if you were going to Sandy Park to... Uh, to get COVID. Yeah, absolutely there not, is. Not get, but no, come on, that's not going to happen. Well, really? funny enough, I was, talking, I was talking to a player who said, he didn't say that that's what you should do, but he did say, like, well, there is an incentive. Like, why wouldn't I take the two points, not go to Sandy Park, and if you've got injuries, just have an extra week off? Mm. I mean, you, you ultimately, you're not in it to beat extra at Sunday Park. You're in it to come as high up the league as you possibly can. So I, I'm down with that. You know, if, if there's rules, break, well, sail very, very close to them. One thing that links <laughs> with this is there's, there's a lot of voices and there's a lot of uh, people piping up about getting rid of relegation this season and maybe in future seasons. What do you think, Phil? Uh, so I listened to Rugby Tonight this evening. Steve Diamond was good, wasn't he? Steve Diamond's always good value. Always good value. Absolutely. And as um, Craig Doyle said, I'd love to see him pitch side calling a game. Oh, um, yeah. At some point in the very near future. And also, just while we're talking about it, the um, I, I love watching grown men find something puerile and childish really, really funny and descend into fits of giggles. I always enjoy that. <laughs> Absolutely. There was there was, no, so, a, there was a little. They, they were talking about um, most valuable positions. Uh, uh, oh yeah. They were talking about uh, the, uh, a, yes. the value having changed of one of the roles in the front row, and it was a it was a really innocuous, innocent comment by Craig Doyle, which Ugo found hilariously funny, <laughs> and so did I. Yes, we'll have to talk, talk about that later. Um, Relegation. So, well, I, I've solved I solved this problem ages ago. Ages ago, <laughs> and I don't know why people are, are. Maybe one day that maybe one day people will start to listen. It's always been obvious. It's been obvious since the day that I, that I mentioned it. The naughty step, thirteen team league. It, it is not the as we have found out over COVID. It is not the end of the world if you do not play for a year. Now that team is going to have to be subsidised by the uh, the members. But actually, what are the members buying? They're not buying, or they're not. <laughs> It's not a cost, it's an opportunity. And the opportunity is you get to buy Jeopardy for your league, which you cannot otherwise replicate by having a ring fence league. That's what you're doing. So if you get relegated this year, you've got to sit, you've got to sit out for next year. And that is enough to get fans agitated, to get players playing hard, for tears, for all, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, the idea of Leicester Tigers closing the doors and not being able to... Um, play for a year, for instance, is a bloody big deal. Now, they'll have to do other things. They'll have to arrange friendlies. They'll have to rebuild their squad. They can let people go if they want. You know, There's all sorts of things that they can do, players, that is, rather than staff. But that's what they that's what they should be doing. And I think it'll just focus the minds a bit, and it'll also give you the sense of jeopardy of relegation, which the Pro 14 simply doesn't have. JB's naughty step idea. Does he have any support? Let us know at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. He's at JB more. Give it. Let him know you're there if you think the naughty yeah. step idea. Because it, it, it isn't going to happen. The more, more likely is that we go a 13-team league 
with no relegation, maybe for this year and some subsequent yeah. years, or it continues as it is. Phil, what do you think? Yeah, the, this was the first time I've really heard the idea of doing it just for a short period of time, uh, which Lawrence Delalio was quite strongly in favour of. Um, seemingly, if I was interpreting his argument correctly, um, because of the current situation, the current financial situation that we're in, and, and Steve Diamond was on board with it as well, um, because of the the potential risk and potential quite likely risk that we will see uh, a few teams actually um, properly fold, properly go out of business um, if we we don't do something um to correct the current scenario. And does, does that if, short-term element feel a little bit like three weeks to flatten the curve? But yeah. <laughs> I mean, March last year. <laughs> Do you know, as you well know, I am an enormous Steve Diamond fan. I think a lot of the guy, and he's a super intelligent man. That said, this idea that clubs will go under, I think is very much a tactic that a lot of people at the top of rugby use to get their way. Because, you know, if you have a business... Um, and you want to get get your way, say, with your staff. You know, uh, you want to say, look, I can only afford to pay you X amount, for instance. One of the tactics you might use is, yeah, we can only do this because otherwise I'll fold the business. But the realities are, you'll never fold the business, not unless you you personally can't do, do uh, you can't do it anymore. And these rugby clubs, the owners went in with their eyes wide open as to what they are, how sustainable they are, how profitable they are, so so on and so forth. Three or four clubs are not going to go under. And if they are, other wealthy men will step in and buy them, or women, because that's you know that they're very desirable objects. They're incredibly desirable objects. And rugby has got an enormously wealthy fan base. So it's nice to say these things, like yeah, you know, and it's a very good bar- it's a very good bargaining token if you want to get your way. But it's just not not the reality. So what would you do, Phil? Well, I'd, I'd so. I don't hate the idea of um, a couple of years of, of ring fencing, as long as it's not permanent. Or And if it is permanent, you do need some jeopardy. Um, I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan of the naughty step idea, but um, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I, I do get JB, your argument around um, this, this is um, potentially rather cynically being used as a tool by certain individuals in order to get their way. I don't believe that's the case right across the board. There's there's a spectrum of owners in the Gallagher Premiership, yeah. some of whom are incredibly wealthy men who could have uh, 50 years worth of recessions and it would not dent their businesses at all. They're not all owned in the same manner. And um, you've got clubs like Take Sale, for example, who last year lost somewhere in the region of one and a half to two million pounds in a year when they had fans in going to a year where they've, they've got no fans in then it'll all. be about two to two and a half million no, i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's multiples of millions of pounds and not all clubs can sustain that losses yeah. in def- those look, losses oh, I, indefinitely yeah, or even for for any significant period at all so i do think the risk is real mm. and how many people these are for very rich men or women these are are playthings um but there's there are only so many people who have built up vast fortunes like that and are willing to effectively throw millions of pounds away on their own playthings. Yeah, I, so I, I'm I'm a little bit more concerned about that than than I think you are. Yeah, I'm not that concerned about it at all. Really, I do think that I mean, a team will go bankrupt. Uh, you know, or an owner will say he's about 
um, about to go bankrupt and someone else will come and you know when was the last time a premiership club went went under london Welsh should be the nearest one but they were in they're in the championship richmond maybe back in the day oral richmond london I mean, welsh and then other other clubs at slightly lower levels okay. like, I mean, wasps, like manchester for example yeah wasps nearly went allegedly gloucester nearly went allegedly so there have been other times where it's nearly happened uh, I, I, these are a very unique set of circumstances and if you were to do ring fencing to try and re-stabilise things, it would have to be on a short term and a very fixed process because as much yeah. as I think it would actually help the England team overall because you could then, not you know, not picking on sale sharks, but 50% of their squad is South African and that that is a, a moderate help to the England team in a sense in that some of the players are playing in better quality teams but overall it's a net negative because there's a lot of salary cap money a lot of well if you want to put it in those terms it's a lot of fans coming through the turnstiles and people buying TV subscriptions money uh, going out of the country Mm. rather than filtering its way up the pyramid to the national team so so, so I'm I'm so I'm broadly speaking I, I want if you're putting the England team purely for front and centre, ring fencing is a great idea. If you think about how dull it could be to watch mm. so Premiership I, rugby, I, I don't know. Let me just say two things, right? So, first of all, do not tweet me if you if you disagree with the naughty step, unless unless you have a solution which has jeopardy in jeopardy. it. Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, don't say I want ring fencing, and don't say I want relegation you've got to come up with another alternative i i because believe it or not i've heard the relegation argument i've also heard heard the ring fencing okay, argument okay so well i've got i've got one for that yeah yeah go on uh, i'm interested it's quite simple uh, it is a playoff match it's a you have to beat a team in the premiership to get into the okay. premiership so and what's the punishment so it's almost uh, like so Pro you, you, you finish bottom you're not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> you finish you finish bottom you're not necessarily relegated but you finish bottom and you're in an elimination decider to stay. So that's better. I mean, that is definitely better than the other two. Because even if you finish 12th, you could still then just go and pan Ealing in a one-off game. Well, you, you would hope, but you might get Exeter. Who knows? Well, Yeah, or Saracens yeah. or whatever. Or oh, Saracens. But Christ. That, what that, do you have to finish bottom? <laughs> that, that, that to me is, <laughs> is preferable. But equally, the jeopardy for Saracens, because they have their year you know, playing their friendlies and yeah. sending their guys off out on loan. And then they have a one-off game. What if they lost? Yeah, and they're recording all their loan players yeah. quickly. Um, just but, on the naughty step, right? Just just so I can colour it in a tiny bit. If you get relegated, what's the difference from being on the naughty step? Like you have no real income coming in because you're not in that in in that competition. And if you get some sort of parachute payment or whatever it may be, well, you get well, you well, get that anyway on the naughty step. I'm I'm going to counter your jeopardy with jeopardy because where's the jeopardy for Ealing Trailfinders and their billionaire owner who is ploughing loads of money into you mean the incentive where's the incentive for him which yeah Um, where's the incentive the incentive is look just you know you need a license to come come into this league we can potentially have you show us your facility show us your squad show us your business plan show us your sustainability if that ticks all 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 the boxes welcome on board and then you find extra weeks in the year uh well you'd need them wouldn't you i think for like bye weeks and whatnot if you got a thirteen team league. Yeah. If, but then, but if you go into a if you go into a thirteen team league, something's gotta give. As in you can't you either can't do the Premiership Rugby Cup or you've got to reduce the the number yeah. of times you play each team. And, and I am you, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with that. I mean, you can have all sorts of different formats and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And I do get the extra argument you might never... You know, what happens to the next Exeter? Well, the answer is we've been playing this game for a long time and Exeters are exceedingly rare. Exceedingly rare. But that... But it's not mean that they won't happen. I know, I rare. understand it, but you are with one unilateral swipe just... Ki- well, killing Jeopardy, number one, which makes... No, no, the- killing incentives. Kill- yeah, no, two. Killing Jeopardy at the bottom end of the premiership table. No. So, so you make the product, I think, a, a less exciting product to watch. Do you, how, do and you secondly, think you're killing incentive below the premiership do you for think it's, any aspiration. Do you think it's more... Do you think it's a worse punishment to be sent to the naughty step than it is sent to, to, sent, Mate, to be sent to the championship? The naughty step's not going to happen. No, but is it a worse punishment? <laughs> I think it's, a wor- it's in some ways so, a worse punishment. Were you talking about ring fencing, Tim? Yeah. Rather than the naughty step. Yes. Oh right. Ring Sorry. Fencing. Sorry. Yes. Ring you fencing. are right. Ring fencing yeah. kills. Yeah. Ring fencing. I don't kills like. incentive and it kills jeopardy. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. You're absolutely. You're absolutely hundred percent right on that. Yeah. I thought. I thought you were talking yeah. about the exceptional naughty step. I, no. Uh, no. No. That idea. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I'm. I'm not particularly in favour of ring fencing. Albeit, I, I do see some benefits to to England as as you've highlighted, Tim. And uh, the naughty step, Phil. Um. It's an interesting idea. Well, well, I guess we've got the test with Saracens, which might work um, incredibly well. And I mean, Saracens, it, it really is a naughty step for Saracens because they've very been very, step. very naughty boys. Yeah, yeah. to the point. <laughs> They're even saying, yeah, look, when we ring fence, they're coming back up. Yeah, we can't afford <laughs> not to have them. So it is actually, yeah, this is the naughty step. And by the way, where would the naughty step team play if they had a chance to play? Friendlies, range some championship games, maybe the old touring team here and there. Let, or, let let some of your senior players go off and have a sabbatical in Japan, like Alex Good has done. Yep, or go and on loan, like you know various other players. Ben like. and Malins, and yeah, it looked like. just like Saracens. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I, I get that. So let JB know what you think about that one, uh, and then the, the, I think the conversation on ring fencing is going to happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if if that is something imminently. My guess is Premier Premier Rugby would handle it. How would Premier Rugby handle it? They'd make an interim announcement and then they'd make several subsequent announcements to clear up the misinformation in the first 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 few announcements. That's <laughs> probably how they'd go about doing it. Um, just just before we finish this little uh, Premiership segment, I've just run the numbers on last season's Premiership table. Of course, of course you, you have. have. <laughs> um, in which there were 551 points scored at the final league position. However, that included 105-point deduction to Saracens, so there's really 656 points scored, which, when spread across the 132 games, means an average of 4.9697. So uh, five. Rounded up to five. So an average of five points. So, so four to one is four, a better yeah, shout. So four to one's better Exactly, than five. exactly. The, the six to... The, sorry, the four to two, so the six points total, will uh, distort the table. So in normal years, excluding London Welsh years, somewhere between 25 and maybe a high of 35 points had been um, enough to keep you safe. Whereas this year you might see, which we've already said might be possible because of the standard, but you might see an even higher um, point total um, being required to to stay safe in the league. So it is distorting the league yeah. with the 4-2 the split. So 4-1 four, four, seems like the optimum. Yeah, it does. I, I would. I'd be four four one. Seems fairest to me. I mean, it seems slightly fairer than five nil. It didn't take Phil long. I mean, whilst me and Tim were sorting out how, yeah, relegation, and, and Phil's contributing to other conversations whilst yeah. he solved a, an existential issue for rugby that they've had loads of people being paid 
to work this out. So it's it's quite. How much are they paying these people? I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it for next to nothing. <laughs> Phil will do it during the podcast. Yeah. Just email him the little talking points. Whilst we solve relegation, you're welcome. <laughs> JB will come up with a fantastical idea whilst Phil's sorting out all your issues. The real problems. <laughs> um, talking about real problems. Yeah. Uh, anyone who has to play Wasps. Yeah. Yes. That performance of the weekend by a country mile, albeit I wouldn't want to underplay Connacht. And, oh, an, yes. and an outstanding result in the Pro 14 uh, yeah, to beat and, Leinster and for the first time in 26 games. It's the first time Leinster have lost in 26 games, including the full season last season. Um, and first time Connacht have ever beaten Leinster at the RDS. And this was this was Leinster at home as well, which is always a formidable sight. Jack Carty, um, and, and the Connacht boy. with a better team. They were. Jack Carty was the boy. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, that would be a contender for performance of the weekend. Wasps, the way they dismantled the champions. They didn't just win. They they humped the champions. Yeah, they they battered them. They battered it's, them. Yeah, five, from a league point perspective, it's 5-0. So Exeter should have just pretended they couldn't play because they all had COVID. Uh, that's exactly what they should have done. Uh, who would have thought yeah. that Exeter, of all teams, would be using the COVID card? So, <laughs> um, this is quite an interesting result, actually. Um, because these two teams seem like they're diametrically opposed. You think of the free-flowing rugby of wasps and their offloads and you know the carefree abandon of kids and the yada, yada, yada. It's not really that. The, no. These teams are far, far more similar than... That, then you realise? It, it did look like Wasps have, have, over the summer or, or over the three-week break, or it's, only, you know, it's not very long, <laughs> this isn't how it would have gone, but it actually it looked like Wasps have gone, what do Exeter do? Let's do that, and then put it into action, because it was a very Exeter-esque performance. Clinical finishing, power all over the shot, dr- um, driving malls and scrum pens, setting up line-out drives, scoring repeated phase tries from five metres out. It was so Exeter. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, the bit which really stood out for me, I think just after the second half, was Wasps camped on Exeter's like, five-metre line. And the reason it reminded me of Exeter is not because they had the exact same grinding precision of the Exeter pick-and-go, which is a finely tuned machine. It's because they applied pressure over and over again and that's what Exeter do it's pressure, pressure, pressure until someone snaps now they apply their pressure slightly differently but that's what it's about it's always making the opposition team think and you know what I thought was really smart I I love this Dan Robson's little kicks like he had these two unsuccessful kicks but what did that do? it just made Exeter think oh Christ maybe we can't get off the line quite, quite so fast you know they're always making you think and that's impressive stuff it, the whole performance was impressive. And the they scored three tries from basically doing what Exeter have historically done. So, as you say, Jay, slightly different, but applying pressure close to the line, backing themselves to get the the five or the seven points. And the the first Gaskell try and then the two Cy McIntyre tries at the end were all done through that, that same approach, which is... It's brilliant for Wasps. It's brilliant for the league, actually, to prove that um, a team can do that to Exeter. 
Exeter will be mightily frustrated that they uh, did eventually capitulate three yeah. times like that. And then the other side of it was the the brilliance, the skillfulness, the handling, the running. Oh, game, those other was, two was it? They scored three other yeah. tries or two other tries. The, two, ba- two the, other... the Bassett offload to Sopawanga, Sop- the the, the, it, the interplay between Tumanga Allen and Gaskell and and Launchbury and Launchbury just class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it really showed. Like that was last season when Exeter were playing their best rugby. As Baxter said in your um, excellent interview with him, JB, you you can stop us one way, but if you stop us one way, we will score another way. If you put if you put fourteen men in to stop a driving wall, you'll stop it, but we'll score out wide. And Wasps had a little bit of that swagger with yeah. about them. They were getting the, the the yards up front, which allowed them the space, and they took it out wide. That that um, Sopwanga try, the the backs move for it was brilliant. Yeah. Now just on Exeter. Here is why it's important for Wasps this uh, uh, this win. Uh, when Exeter players are not involved in a team, so this week uh, they were missing on This lot. week they were missing uh, yeah. Luke Cowan Dickey, Harry Williams, Ben Moon, Johnny Hill, Johnny Gray. I'm just going through the, the whole team. Lots. Yanis Kirsten, yeah. Jacques Vermarlin. Um, they were missing Henry Slade, Jack Noel, Stuart Hogg. So almost the whole team of international class players. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. They were missing a lot, a lot of players. But when you don't see an extra player and they're not injured, there's a good chance that the reason that you don't that you're not seeing him is because they are literally preparing for the, for the game after after that. Exeter is more than just a first team, and you know, as if as if you need to prove this. Some of the names that you read out there, you know, obviously you got your Hogs and your Johnny Grades, but a lot of Exeter's team. I didn't mention Sam Skinner as well. There's another one. Sam Skinner, but Yannis Kirsten, Jacques Vermeulen, for example, there'd be a couple that who, who were they? Who knew the, them? Who are they? Yeah, uh, hands yeah. up. Be honest. Put your hands up and say, I would have 100 percent signed Jack uh, Jack Vermeulen for my team last year. No, you wouldn't. You're a liar. No, <laughs> no chance would you, no chance would you've done that. I, if I had my choice of any prop, I would definitely have signed Thomas Francis. No, you wouldn't. Tom O'Flaherty <laughs> from uh, like Ospreys, and then. Yeah, he was let go from Ospreys, and then he wherever he went, wh- next. wherever he went next, I no, don't know. And that was brilliant. Um, Harry, Harry Williams picked up from picked up from Jersey, so it goes on and on. Hollywood Burn Bath didn't didn't give him a sniff. Yeah, I mean Devoto. Do you know what Devoto and Woodburn? They're absolutely class now. They are top level Premiership class. In Devoto's case, in fact, both of them, they might even be able to crack on to to high to higher honours because they're that good. Um, Exeter probably got 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 them for an absolute sniff. An absolute yeah, because they don't they don't fit those two. Um, certainly, um, a few years ago, they didn't necessarily fit with the the mold of the Bath player, which was the international class player. Yeah, like you look at Bath's Bath's lineup is just littered with international names, but they're as good as it. And Exeter were able to identify that and bring the best out in them. Yeah, um, over the last few years, not not in this game particularly, but <laughs> over the last few <laughs> years, they definitely have. But, I mean, Wasps are the same. You know, there are a handful of lads in Wasps that you say, oh, yeah, they're bona fide stars like Fekatoa and Launchbury. But the rest of them are like, no, they're, they're really not. They're really not. Hands up if you really wanted to sign Cy McIntyre. Michael Le Bourgeois was Le Bourgeois, great. Yeah, Le Bourgeois or Bassett. I mean, there's, lo- there's loads a, of them. They, they do. A dog group. A dog group. What a player. 
made so many yards through heavy traffic. He could be a running back in the NFL, yeah. that guy. Not many oh. wingers that are better against three men than one man. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's an advantage for a winger, but he is definitely better against three men than one. <laughs> well, I think then it's because he doesn't have to decide, should I hold the ball in two hands and try and pass? He just knows he's not going to bother. Yeah, it, three the, points of contact, good forward. Because had, had Wasp not kicked on and played so well, he butchered, he, I mean... He was around with the ball with under one arm instead of just giving it to Sopawango and letting him run in for a try in the first half. But anyway, anyway. outstanding performance from Wasps. Well played. Yeah. And um, uh, what I didn't know until you know doing my prep for the game, because Lee Blackett said to the local newspaper that he gave his whole team a week off the week before building up to the sale game so that all of his players had their mandatory right, seven-day yeah. rest. There are a lot of mm. clubs at the minute that are giving a few players here a week off and then a few more players a different week because every player has to have at least a week off by the end of January, two weeks in the case of international players. Hence, Exeter didn't have all theirs available. Whereas Wasps rested all of their guys, even though they had a game against Sale because they had a, an eight- or nine-day turnaround. So they said, give them seven days off. They did one basically team run and then played Sale and won. Yeah, they've, whatever it is they're doing, they know. They yeah. they sort of know what they're doing now, and it's impressive to watch. As for the Sale game, I mean, you know, you don't really target a team like Sale as your. You know, well, hang on, no, no, well, they didn't, did they? They they targeted targeted it to lose, and they still won. Yes, yeah, they said Sale away, the only fixture we can we can basically um, forget about that one. Yeah, fair play. It's good. It's good. It's good to see uh, Exeter. Well, well, Exeter will ha- have Bath come into their place, and both of those teams are Oof. wounded. So I don't see yeah. Bath going well against Exeter. A wounded Exeter, do you? Well, it was mm. as much as it was great to see Wasps resurgent and and showing that the league could be more open this year. Uh, it was good to see Leicester Tigers with a bit of grit and a bit of heart. Well, isn't that funny you say that? I thought exactly the same thing. They were, they actually had a bit of steel. Uh, and I think, is it that, I mean, is that what you do? You just buy a bunch of South African back rows and that sort of firms you up? I think there's more to it than that. So they're international players, the ones they had, and they've let a few of them go, like Manu Tuolangi, for example, but George Ford was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And so the big name, and Ellis Genge was great. So the big, the, the players you've invested a lot of cash in stepped up. The guys you've brought in have added, as you say, a bit of steel, Liebenberg and, and Visa, or Visa particularly, has given yeah. them something they were lacking. And then another one of the stories for Leicester Tigers is the young guys. They've had their, I think they're under 19s or under 20 side have won the premiership under 20s or under 19s or 18s or whatever it is. One of the young age groups, they've won that the last two years. And you're seeing some of the guys that have been developed in the Tigers Academy coming through. Van Portfleet came off the bench to scrum off and looked really good. Freddie Stewart. I, I think Eddie Jones. Will be, I think Eddie Jones will be looking at him. If I, if Furbank's in the England squad, then I, I think this. I think Stewart looks better than Furbank to me. He's a big old boy as well, isn't he? Yeah, rangy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I completely agree. They seem to have found a model of play for the players that they have that works, which is half the battle, really. Yeah. Well, on Stewart, Phil, you were a back three player. What do you make of him? Very good. Very. It looks very solid under the high ball. Um, and has got a nice turn of pace on him. Seems to read the game really well. I've I've seen him a few times um, late last season and, and this season, and he, he's always impressed me. He looks good. Um, we'll see if his footwork, because he is a tall, rangy guy, 
um, which can be the the two things you really want. And Mike Mike Brown uh, had in in abundance as well. Like Jason Robinson was possibly the best of all time. Is the the acceleration, the quick feet, and the acceleration to beat a man and buy yourself time. And we'll see if he has that. Uh, it's not it, that's not one hundred percent. You you have to be the best in the world to to play at that level. But that is a, a big thing that you do want. Do you think Leicester Tigers fans are thinking, oh no, don't let Eddie ruin him? Probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, does he remind you of anyone, Phil? Um, rangy fullbacks. Because um, he, he's not like a, he's not a Geordie Barrett type yet. No, no. And he's not, I, I've not seen him have the, the kicking or the playmaker skill set that Geordie Barrett has. And Geordie Bar- Barrett is comfortable basically playing 10 through 15. Um, do, do you remember Matt Perry? I do remember Matt Perry. Yeah. Do you mean England's second most capped fullback? Correct. He's He's got a bit of Matt Perry about him for me. That That's solid, but kind of glides when he runs. Do you remember Matt Perry, Perry playing 10 for Bath? I don't remember that. Yeah, no. he did. Yeah, I think he had one midweek game at 10 because they ran out of players, basically. But he was uh, yeah, reminiscent. I can't think of another more contemporary Maybe. player at the moment. There must be other players. Maybe and and this this is a huge compliment and I don't know if he's qu- quite at this level yet but maybe someone like Chris Latham Ooh, who was, that is a huge compliment. It is a huge compliment and I I don't think I've seen enough to to say that definitively because Chris Chris Latham is was absolutely class uh, world like genuinely world class um, but he's got that same physique um, same similar height I think same rangey running style. So, um, Definitely I'm, I'm very interested to see more. Yeah, well, it's a good win for Leicester, and and Leicester have still got players to come back in. Talfu was out, um, although they've got that, that young guy George Martin put himself about a bit. Um, teenager still, I think. How have they got Harry Potter and George Martin? It's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a joke. <laughs> um, but they've got Moroni, the Argentine centre, to come back in, in as well, who I think could make a big difference. Yeah, I mean they're a long way from title contenders. They're probably a long way from top four, but. They have shown us something, and that's really important well, for Leicester fans. Two seasons finishing eleventh. If they were to finish top six, mid mid table, then I think that that'd be a success for Leicester. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and in this game, so obviously there was the the kind of freak Obano try after two minutes. Uh, less than that, I think. Then uh, Visa gets a yellow card. Then Ben Spencer scores his spectacular solo try, and so it's twenty minutes in. Leicester have got a man in the bin and Bath are fourteen nil up, and you think it's going to be another one of those days. Maybe, maybe, maybe Borthwick hasn't improved them. Maybe it's going to continue to be tough for Leicester. And Tim, as you said right at the start, and well, both of you said right at the start, the the grit um, and the fight and the dog to to battle back from that position on a series of George Ford penalties to get them back into the game, and then scoring the tries, it was. It was an impressive performance, and it's 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 one of only a few impressive performances, probably over the last two years for Leicester Tigers. But things are certainly looking up for them. Do you remember in the, on the, one of the Lions tours, Will Greenwood spoke about his lucky socks, and obviously he had that horrific injury where he almost died, and then he got rid of his lucky. lucky did he get rid of his lucky oh, socks? Oh, I remember just I remember that the '97 Lions. Yeah, and his mum coming and going, Will, what have you done? Oh, Will, what have you done? Yeah, that was. Frightening. It was awful, wasn't it? Yeah. But he got rid of his socks. So I think I think I'm right in saying that you have lucky 
He had lucky socks until he lost or had a really bad injury. And then you get new lucky socks, right? Because that's how like traditions and superstitions work. What do we do about Borthwick sitting at home? <laughs> well, what was, come, I don't think the Brett, I don't think the Brett Deacon interview went out in the end on the program because the game ran a bit late. But um, I, I said to Brett Deacon, so I, so how did it work then with with Steve Borthwick today? What what was he able to contribute? And, and Brett Deacon said that the the manner of communication. What would you what would you imagine you, they would have organised? Uh, phone uh, calls, carrier pigeon, phone phone calls, or uh, maybe some technical bods would have had some sort of like link up. Like um, like an old sat phone. Well, a radio ham. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, is it ham radio that they used to have? Uh, like a CB radio type C- thing. A CB radio would be a, a, on Channel 8. Breaker, channel... breaker, breaker. Or, or <laughs> that no, um, no uh, <laughs> Steve Borthwick was chatting there on the coaches group on WhatsApp. That's how it was done during the game on WhatsApp. Was it really? Yeah. So but... I, I guess he's got to stay at home now. <laughs> There's no reason for him to show up. <laughs> Hundred wow. percent. Well, I think home. a coach's job well, is mostly done by game day, anyway, isn't it? Let me just find this. So, sorry, it should. It Carol. should be. Yeah. If anything, you can. And I've heard. Can I know this from my experience? I've heard David Flatman talking about this in the past, where like over coaching on game day is a real thing. As in, when your heart rate is at one hundred and forty BPM and you're um, battling just to to keep breathing and keep moving forward someone giving you five pointers about the things that you're doing wrong and need to correct is not helping anyone. So like, there, there might actually be a benefit. I mean, West Ham uh, late last season or early this season, I can't remember, um, went on quite a nice run of games when David Moyes was banished to being at home because he was self-isolating. So maybe there is a thing maybe. in it. So the, 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 the method of communication I was trying to think of, I couldn't, I couldn't think of it, was a heliograph. That would have worked for him. <laughs> What's a heliograph? A heliograph is a signaling device by which sunlight is reflected in fla- reflected in flashes by movable mirrors. <laughs> that would have been that that would definitely be, be be the right way to do it. I would have I would have loved like we have a ref cam. I would have loved the Borthers Borthers mic like Gogglebox. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes. If you had the opportunity to watch Steve Borthwick watching that game. The numbers would be off the chart. Yeah, yeah, they would. In fact, that's what they should do with dimes. Uh, Can you imagine a, gog- a rugby goggle box with dimes? Tell you what, I was lucky enough to sit next to dimes, uh, literally next to him, literally next to him, either one seat in front of him or the seat next to him, many, 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 many times. I can tell you, it's entertaining and informative. It's, Forcefully it's, informative. It's very interesting. I've I've sat just in front of well, as, as both of you have done numerous times, I've sat just in front of him a few times, and the language and the the things that he is shouting for half of the game is incredible. <laughs> I remember when he did he throw his yeah he threw his radio once, is it, uh, because Dimes, unlike Steve Borthwick, has his communications ready to go, and they have a little he has a little two way radio to his, I think, strength and conditioner who used to have it. Or it used to be Dan Braid, actually. Dan Braid used to run the subs. And it wasn't working. It just got thrown across the AJ Bell. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Uh, As for Bath, I just want to give one little uh, mention, actually. So I was staying in the... I was just staying in the Hilton on on a soulless Hilton on a roundabout just outside Leicester. It really isn't a great, uh, uh, horrible hotel. Mm -hmm. But anyway, in between the Wasps and the Leicester game, I was staying there. And I was a little bit bored. And I thought, and I just, something popped into my head. Some of our listeners who came with us on our Tier 2 tour, 
started a Bath podcast. Oh, they did, yeah. Mm. Uh, the Bath Rugby plug. The Bad r- Bath Rugby plug. And, yeah. so, and it just popped into my I thought, oh, I'll see what those boys are saying. So, and and they, they did a podcast a couple of days ago. I listened to it, and I thought it was really good. They are really good. So I thought I'd just give a mention to, to, to those guys. Egg Chasers listeners came with us on the Tier 2 tour. I think they even... Met, it was Gabriel in, and it, it, Gabriel, yeah. It was, it, it was in Romania when they mentioned doing the podcast, and we were like, do it. Do, do it. it. Well, it's great. <laughs> so Bath fans, get, get subscribed to it, because they're great. There you go. But I, I concur. But I listened to it. They're, they're going to well. They're going to be feeling a bit of pain uh, right now. But what isn't great? Bath. Bath. We need to really have a sit down and talk about Bath because, frankly, I mean, you know, one of those Leicester Tigers tries. I can't remember which one it was, but I was watching it and I was nearly, I nearly threw up. Um, it's it's one thing to have you know, n- like Nadolo offload out the back door and a bit of magic, and someone scampers over on the wing. That is one thing. But just to concede ground and have so was it the Harry Wells try maybe I'm trying to think which which one it was. Wells um, was the that was the Nadolo one wasn't it? It was. Wells. It was. It was the Cameron, Cameron Henderson. Henderson. Cameron Henderson try. Um, yeah. I just thought that's is this is awful. I mean you can't you know the the absolute base level of what you want from your rugby team is to be hard workers and hard workers and. And committed, they don't want it. They simply do not want to win that game enough because you got. I mean, look at the look at the Wasps Exeter game. If Wasps want to go over against Exeter from five meters out, or vice versa, you know it's going to be six, seven, eight, nine, up to twenty phases. Regularly, you get high high phase rugby. Talk less Tigers two phases, two weak pathetic phases, and you think it's just not good enough. No way. Looking at looking at, uh, at those names and what they have. There is something missing, and it might be the players. They might just need new players who actually have a bit of heart because maybe as a group they don't gel, or maybe it's the coaches not putting in the right ethos that you need to work. First and foremost, you need to work hard and beat people up, and if you're not willing willing to do it, you're not going to win. And that, that physicality is... When Bath have put in good performances over the last few years, it's been built on that physicality, but when when they're getting the front foot, as soon as you stop that from them, and when they played Saracens, when they played Exeter, um, I think one of the games when they played Sale in this game against Leicester, they're not getting that dominance up front and everything else just seems to fall apart. Yeah. And it is it they did rely on. If you take those first two tries, which one was a piece of individual brilliance by Ben Spencer, one of the best scrum outs in the league, and one was just a total freak try where no one seemed to know what was going on and... Uh, Josh McNally crashes through and uh, Ben Albano goes up. Yeah. Take those two out. This is a pasting, this it, game. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the video analysis session probably starts... Well, most of the questions they'll be asked is like, what the F were you thinking? Like, over and over again, what were you thinking? Why are you not trying hard? Why are you not make, making tackles? They have got, from what I can see... About twenty five percent of the game nailed on, which is individual brilliance in in attack. Whether that comes from Redpath or whoever it comes from, they can kind of do that bit. When it comes to pragmatic phase play, or you know, controlling territory or defending, or in fact anything else which isn't evolve, is doesn't revolve around star power, they're useless. Well, here's a little thought. So I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, but hmm. So, what's the name of the Bath training facility again? Farley House. Farley, Farley House, Farley, that's it. Yeah. Farley House, oh, I know where they've been going. for three weeks, is a wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous 
picturesque place to be. Bath, the city, is so lovely and beautiful, and mm-hmm. there's the river, and you can have a nice coffee and stuff. The Bath team, when I lived in Bath, and the Bath team I grew up occasionally going to watch, and you think about some of the people that played there, they trained at a place that's just out near... Uh, the the junction as you go up towards the M4 Lambridge. I think I've seen this place. Yeah, like you drive you drive past yeah, it yeah. on your way in, and it's basically a shed and a bog. Yeah, and all of their work was done, changing in a cold shed, and running around on a bog, and that's where these championship teams were forged. And there's an element I wonder: is everything too comfy? I think I've got it. I think you've nailed it, Tim. If they win, you get the week in Farley House. If you lose, <laughs> back down, back down, because they still own the training ground, don't they? Lambridge, yeah. Still there. That would really shake things up, like cold physio in a shed, uh, you know, trotting out onto a bog. Don't, maybe mow, the, maybe mow the pitch, but not that frequently, like infrequently mow it. <laughs> like just horrible, horrible days, days, but horrible you, days. Packed but, lunches. Yeah, but they've got players who could be nasty and horrible. And when I think about Bath teams back in the day, they... They had some nasty pieces of work. Do you know, now you're making me think, they have players who are renowned for being nasty and horrible. I mean, think about Will Spencer. That is that is, that is his MO. Think about... Um, Tom Dunn is an abrasive, yeah. tough man. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's the other fella's name? Um, the guy who sits on the flank, Zimb- Zimbabwe fella. The great hairline. Oh, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. And, and Sam Underhill. Yeah, like, these are guys who are renowned for hitting things, particularly Mike Williams. I mean, tell me what Mike Williams is good at if it's not beating people up, because that is literally, that is it. That is all he made. <laughs> bit of line-up work, maybe. But, but he think about, whack people. Think about uh, two, the Toulon team that won the hat-trick of Heineken Cups. Yes, they had amazing players, but they had... They, they had awful training facilities there is an element where and it's like um well it's like ellis genges you know came from a rough part of town and he said that's made him the kind of man he is like sometimes adversity and having to be resilient and not have and having some just not having it all your own way maybe they're too comfy at bath i don't know it's just a theory who would be the perfect coach to give him a little bit of background (laughs) But, well, Steve Diamond's available. Steve Diamond is available. I tell you what, <laughs> if you want, if you want to toughen up Bath, get Diamond in there tomorrow. I don't know how he's going to gel with, um, you know, people picking players for him, and just you know, I don't know how that player would feel. Or Richard you... Cockrell. Yeah, someone like that. Yeah. Things. I, but here's the thing, right? I think it's deep, deep, deeper than that, because the coaches they've got are no mugs. You know, Hatley is one of the most highly regarded coaches in the entire league. Everywhere he's gone, players rave about him. Eddie Jones wanted him. He's come back, come back to Bath as as head coach, a position he's thoroughly earned. And yet, look what look what they're doing. One win in five that they've taken the field. Yeah, and yeah. is he is this an example of um, someone who is a very good specialist coach being pushed? Well, Peter Principle being pushed beyond their uh, point of or point, pushed to their point of incompetence. Yeah. As well, in, you're a very good specialist coach, but you're not necessarily a head coach. Well, the England catch and release stuff is interesting. I know someone wrote, uh, Owen Slot wrote an article about it, saying, oh, look at what it's producing for England. But so far, you've got... I mean, what it tends to produce is like a a fast track to being a DOR without any history of DOR. So <laughs> you've got Hatley, you've got uh, Borthwick and... Gustard. You've got Gustard. Gustard. And you'd say two... Well... You know, Borthwick's had a win this week, but prior Bo- to that... Both- yeah, Borthwick, TBC, it's too early. It's far too early. Um, Gustard I've seen enough of, and Hatley, it's still too early, but from what I can see, it's not going well. Yeah. 
Now, Tim, your your point around the the Farley House being too nice, it's it reminds me of um, a Malcolm Gladwell book, and I can't remember. I think it's David and Goliath, where there's a whole chapter on um, basically the self-made man or, or woman who has come from adversity, really tough upbringing, really tough background, had to scrimp and save and, and work incredibly hard for every single thing they've ever ever had and then become incredibly comfortable and their children are brought up in an incredibly comfortable spoiled lifestyle and how do they how do they how do they um ensure that their children uh, are willing to understand the benefits of working hard for um what they earn oh yeah and the, um, the, like apparently most wealth is is gone in three generations yes that's a well very, yeah very true and, and that's kind of I don't think, and it's years ago that I read this, I don't think there was like a definitive conclusion to this chapter, um, but that is definitely a, a kind of known fact that maybe this is the the generation of Bath who just blow their talent, blow their opportunities with the talent because they've got so much talent, but they are perhaps too spoiled, too spoiled for talent and their surroundings that they don't know how to work for it. And it's going to take... Uh, a fall from grace to bring it back to them. Maybe a trip to I don't know the naughty step. Well, they've got a, <laughs> they've got the closest thing to that uh, within the current laws. They've got a trip to Sandy Park. Yes, good. Or They're... is it at the wreck? I might be at the wreck. No, anyway. I think well, this... it is. Some... Good question. Anyway, this trip, this um, game for um, for Exeter feels a bit like um, the last few years or a few years ago when. Saracens had like um, <laughs> two or three really bad losses in a season. A couple of them at <laughs> the hands of Claremont, and they, <laughs> yeah. North, Northampton Saints just got like three sixty-point hammerings every time Saracens had, had <laughs> faltered. Hit reset. That could like, happen to Bath. Yeah, uh, you, you can kind of imagine it. Uh, hi, Jim. Yeah, it's Mark. You got a game this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'd quite want to bring the boys up. <laughs> we need a morale boost. <laughs> right, a very quick break before we go into the other uh, Premiership games. Uh, Ulster got a good win, really good win against Munster. Yes. Do you see Billy? It... But, but do you see Billy Burns doing Billy Burns things with his little chip? To was it oh, Fadders? The, or... the, no, no, it was to Mac- the young lad McElroy. Yes, McElroy. That's um, it. That was that was a very nice try, and the the first try, the Fadez try, was exceptional. Mm. Really, really good strike move. Which Ulster have they they've done this a few times. They did it brilliantly against Toulouse a, a few weeks ago. These um, deliberate prescribed strike moves, bringing the fast up, um, back three into the game at exactly the right time, and scoring some great tries. That was a, a fine example. I think they'll be frustrated that they didn't get more out of this game, though, because it was, while, while it was still a Munster team and a very good Munster team, it was a Munster second string team. Yeah, um, they rested fine. a lot of players for this, and it was a much stronger Ulster team than it was Munster team. So they'll be a bit disappointed not to get um, the full five, but a win is a win, and um, they keep on rolling. Just keep on in rolling. The top 14. Unbeaten, yeah. Uh, and uh, elsewhere, um... Juan Pablo Matera and the other Argentinians that had their old tweets surface um, are going to do an anti-discrimination course Uh and are going to make a video which is going to be useful as a resource to be watched by fellow Argentinian (laughs) 
players. Right, okay. So uh, that's what they're going to be doing. Brilliant. To make amends. Well done. Um, right. Actually, actually, before we get back into... Have you got anything else of, of uh, before we go back into the games? I just... I think it's... I think that one... We, we covered it in great detail a few weeks ago. Um, I st- I'm still a bit frustrated about how the whole thing has been handled yeah. by the um, Argentine rugby union agreed i mean this it it doesn't it doesn't seem proportionate at, at least something something has been been done rather than them being reinstated after 3 days or whatever it was but it doesn't quite feel sufficient to me um and i i don't i say that not specifically knowing what would be sufficient um but if they'd but, have come out and said instead if instead of even at the very least if instead of saying Juan Pablo Matero is no longer captain three days later. Yes, he is our captain. Uh, and, and instead they'd said, right, we're, we're going to take a bit of time and have a think about this. We're not happy about it. In the meantime, we have, we're setting the players, um, we're sending the players on an anti-discrimination course and they are going to come up with some materials which are going to be of use. We'll get back to you on, the, on, on any sanctions. I, I think this would have gone away very, very quickly. As it has, they've just hammed. They've just, yeah. As we've spoken about... Can we make it go away now? Before, can we make it go away right, right a second? They've hammed it. Yes, we can, JB. Fantastic, I thank you. I think we said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, um, what, what about... Uh, I, go on. I, 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 I have something, just completely off the beaten track. Go on. Do you remember uh, Chris Huntley? Chris Huntley? Winger? Huntley. You, we played rugby with him. Chris Huntley? Chris Huntley. Uh, maybe you didn't play with him that much, Not but sure. I, he was my second row partner at right. Broughton Park for like right. the longest time. Um, uh, I, well, what I'll do is I'll do this first, and then I'll come back to Chris Huntley. So um, Chris now plays at a team called. Hang on, wait for it. Wait for it. It's called Rubina RFC. Right, Rubina RFC, which is which is in in North Cardiff apparently, um, and. Sadly, one of their club members, Di Hobbs, is terminally ill. And so the players are doing 100k um, uh, uh, between them to raise money for Di's favourite charities. So the first thing I want to say is go onto the Just Giving page, which I've got, which is Just Giving, uh, 100k for Hobbsy. Three days, they've raised nearly £8,000. So if you've got any spare change and you want to make a little bit of difference in these awful COVID times, just go onto there and uh, and donate because it's for a good for uh, for a good a good cause. hundred k for Hobbs, you go and search that. Brilliant. There you go. Now Chris Huntley. Uh, so he was. I can't believe you don't remember. I can't. Maybe we didn't play. play uh, no, I'm useless with names, mate. Big, big. Well, he wasn't that big. He's like six foot three, maybe. A Classic mi- lower league lock then. Yeah. But I, he was literally one of the toughest p- people that I've ever played with. And his speciality was swimming through rucks. So I don't know how he would do it, but there'd be a ruck formed and he could pull himself through the ruck to where the ball was and then steal the ball. So me and Chris were on the bench once for Ken- against Kendall. And Kendall were one of those teams which were always much, much higher than us and, and had come down. And at the time, we didn't really get on with the coach at all, to put it mildly. And we were three tries down. I don't believe you would have fallen out. Yeah, we really <laughs> fell out with this coach. Like, Does anyone out. fall out with you in the way that you fell out with coaches? Never. <laughs> never had a single... As long as you have the power, everything's all right. Yeah, never had a single crossword <laughs> with any of my excellent forwards. And believe you me, I've got the best able of forwards in all, in all of the Northwest. So that's probably why we don't fall out. Um, 
We were four tries down. They had already scored the bonus points by 18 minutes, uh, 16 minutes in. At which point the coach, like, oh, I've got no idea. Uh, turned around, turned around to me and uh, me, me and Huntley and went, well, like, what do I do? And we went, well, bring us on, obviously. So we turned it around from from four tries down, and then eventually we won against Kendall away in the dying moments, and it's in like forty four, forty three. It was an epic game. Next next year, same uh, same thing. Same thing happens. Kendall go four tries up within twenty minutes. Me and Huntley are on the bench. We're giving lots and lots of bounces to the coach. So like, what's your next move now? Bought us on. Guess what happened? Big win. Big win. Snuck it at the end. No, we lost by seventy points. But <laughs> we did. But we did win. We did win the first one. We did win the first one. <laughs> good. Um, uh, back to uh, Premiership action. That's good. Sto- more stories like that, please. Yeah, I've like got plenty of them. Plenty uh, I, of them. I like hearing your stories. That the I like your cup final when you got. Um, is this a cup final with the offloads or cup final where I threw the medal in, into the hedge <laughs> medal, medal in the hedge is my favourite the medal in the hedge is my favourite that was the worst because you know, in the change in the change room I, and this is before I got into, got into the first team I just moved over to Flanker from the wing and uh, the coach actually announced the team sheet and he went first back row reserve Mark McConnell second back row reserve uh, JB and that, that was cue for ridicule like utter ridicule because I was named as second second reserve, but I did I did come on for one minute and scored one try, so you can extrapolate how many tries I would have scored in eighty minutes, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid decision that you you no doubt pointed that out to everyone who would listen. Oh, yeah, they gave me some losers medal. I was like, well, you would have won if you bought bought, bought me on like with five minutes to go. <laughs> Got the losers medal, threw it in a hedge, and went home. <laughs> uh- hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Back to the Prem. And, well, okay, let's let's talk about Gloucester. And let's just get this old Chris Harris Dan Dupree thing out of the way. Get it out of the way. It's a red card. It's a clear and obvious red card. I, don't, I can't believe there's any debate about it. The only debate should be... How did the re- how did the officials not like not see this? The TMO did. Well, so the referee said during the game, "Can you just check that for me?" To the TMO, the TMO checked it and said, "Oh yeah, he wrapped his arms. It's fine." Yeah, um, <laughs> he also had a bit of a naughty one against uh, Charlie Atkinson. Do you remember that? So Charlie Atkinson wasps last week. Yeah, can I just say like about Charlie Atkinson? Uh, I've I can't help but feel that he's going to have a a highlight show reel 
uh, for his whole career, which looks very much like a Benderden versus two Alangis, <laughs> and only against the most <laughs> premium player. I don't know what he does to wind up these players, but so far he's made Owen Farrell try and, try and decapitate him, and now Dan Dupree. But yeah, he's a hard bloke. So the the, the Dan Dupree one, yes, it's. Uh, I actually, I'm not. I, I'm the only the only thing I would say to let the TMO off is he may not have hit him in the head. And in fact, Chris Harris has actually he actually came out and tweeted. And Chris Harris's point wasn't he should have been he should have been sent off or anything. Chris Harris's point was. Why was it, Chris Harris seemed more upset that he was not allowed to finish the game and he had to go off with an HIA? Yeah, or uh, yeah. he had to go off for an HIA. Well, looking at yeah. how Chris Harris Harris plays, it does not surprise me one bit that he wants to fin- to finish the game. The guy is an absolute baller. Mm. Um, although maybe you need to be taken off for your own safety in that situation. Yes, I mean I would just say that. I, I'm, by the way, I'm not. I'm not totally yeah. disagreeing. I was only saying I think there is an argument that Dan Dupree actually doesn't hit Chris Harris's head, and I, and I also think Dan Dupree does wrap his arms. However, I don't think you. I, but, I, it, it would it would come under the thing as reckless. I don't think it's a red card necessarily, but I think it was a penalty at, at, and a yellow card at least. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing I don't get right. So does he hit his head? I think he probably does. But let's just put the lads to one side. Let's say he doesn't. What is it? What is going through Dan Dupree's head at this? At well, this yeah. Well, this is the only thing I. This, yeah. this is where I would say it comes under reckless because I think it is a. I think Dan Dupree is actually legitimately trying to hit him, as because he goes. But why he goes so low? Because he's so, yeah. he's ankle height and he does wrap his arm, but he has plenty of time to see it, and the tackle's already been made. So there's so many. But the, you know, here's why it's reckless. It's not reckless because of Chris Harris's health. It is also reckless because of Chris Harris's health. Yeah, but. Where's Chris Harris going to go when he's two foot away from well, the ground? Exactly, and the tackle has already been made. Yeah. Like, why does he not? Why is he not targeting the support player coming to rock over Chris Harris? That would be better for sale. Why is he not targeting the ball in a jackal? To me, it feels like Chris Harris is in no danger. He's completely defenseless against what Dan Dupree is going to do next. Dan Dupree is a monster of a man, and Dan Dupree had two or three better options. Which well, you could have executed. Yeah, I don't like saying Dan Dupree is a monster of a man like that's relevant. No, it's not relevant. That's not relevant but in any way, shape or form. Or it shouldn't be relevant. No, but I like to mention it. He, well, he is, but <laughs> that, that's irrelevant. You, you should always mention his, his uh, physicality and his physique. I mean, what's the point in working out so hard? Had, it, <laughs> had he managed to get even lower on Chris Harris's back and hit him, uh, would anyone be complaining? Uh, I mean, I would complain. Yeah, because I, I, that's that's what I'm saying. I, I still think there's an argument that he just doesn't need to do it at all. Yeah, well, yeah. So, you know, not only does he not need to do it at all from a rugby point of view, the fact is I think it's a red card. You don't think it's a red card. That's absolutely fine. But the problem you have now is Dan Dupree has put somebody in a decision-making situation um, who has the potential to give, to give him a red card. Now, as it happens... The, the referees thought more like you did. But on another day, they might think more like I did. Well, uh, I, that, I, I, I disagree with the TMO as well as you do. It's just oh. it's just the severity okay. of which... Phil, what, Phil, what do you reckon? Uh, I would have been happy with a yellow card. I don't necessarily think it has to be a red card. Um, albeit, the biggest thing is... Well, there's two big things for me. One, it is an incredibly stupid thing for Dan Dupree to do incredibly stupid and on another day he gets a red card for that no doubt about it that mm. you've seen similar ones get given and i totally understand chris harris's frustration that he gets dragged off at a very crucial time in a game that um 
he goes on to lose for um, a HIA incident, which implies there has been uh, contact with the head. Not always, because not... whiplash, as we, uh, whiplash actions true... can... It, it can, but yeah, I can but... see his frustration. Yeah, oh, for can, sure, can, 100%. I can totally see his frustration on yeah. that. Yeah. So it's it's just, the, with the whole thing, I'm, I'm in favour of the changes that um, World Rugby have made with the high tackle um, framework, decision-making framework. It just needs to be applied consistently because that's... That's kind of what we want. We want consist. We want to be able to look at these incidents and say, "Yeah, I see, I've seen that given in the past. What? I can follow the framework. I know it's going to be a yellow or a red or or just a penalty if that's what it's going to be." But we want consistency, in, and in, this in, was not it. I totally agree. In terms of consistency within the eighty minutes, uh, you could argue they were absolutely on the money because Ed Slater's hit on Aka van der Merwe with absolutely no arms going into a ruck was comfortably a red card and way, way worse I don't believe than that Slater hit. anything wrong. Uh, Ed Slater, friend of the pod, and a, a, a guy I've got so much time for, I'm talking about purely a, a rugby moment. And uh, you can go and look for it if you want, but hardly anyone's mentioned it. But Ed Slater's uh, clear you out. You just sold your mates out. Uh, no, I haven't, because it's... It... Sighting commissions, get on to Ed Slater well, now. <laughs> no, it's gone. Sighting's gone. It's, oh, thank the, God. The time's passed. Um, is that right? It. Yeah, I, uh, that it was way worse. It was way worse. Tell me what you, uh, I, I don't. I, if, if you say it is, I, I, I don't. I don't doubt it for a second. Um, tell me what you think of this. We pine some sometimes, maybe wrongly, for a time where you could so-called self-regulate. Rugby needs a little bit self, bit of self-regulation. Can we apply this to players as well? Just been stupid. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to play you this, JB. Just, yeah, yeah, just sure. to make the point. This is the hit. Yeah, that's equally as bad, isn't it? Uh, I mean, at least at least you can say Akavanda Murwa is a threat to the ball, whereas uh, Chris Harris is not. Ha- had the ball, but yes, I agree. Um, so, uh, back to self-regulation. I mean, is there not an element that it's a really dangerous game? If someone's running at you, full pelt, by all means... You know, hit them as hard as physically can be done. You and your mates, you know, try and break their ribs, do whatever you need, really, really smash them. Fine. If a player is defenceless, maybe the self-regulation should be, I don't need to make this game any more dangerous than it needs to be. Chris Harris is going nowhere. I've got better options. What am I trying to achieve here? I think the reason I, people find that more egregious... So, actually, I do find Dan is more egregious because I can see that... Um, uh, Akam van der Merwe, although it's a more dangerous hit, I can understand that Ed Slater is trying to neutralise a rugby threat, whereas I can only imagine, the only thing that Dan Dupree looks like he's trying to do there is really batter uh, Chris Harris. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't try and rank them they're both they're both really bad i i think i think the one no, i think the incident with ed slater was worse because he just it's definitely more he dives, he dives off his feet just purely a shoulder and his arm chicken winged yeah tight yeah i mean look they're, they're, they're both bad but i can you know I've yeah, yeah, yeah. the motives behind behind both uh, as as for the game i mean can two teams lose <laughs> that's what i that's my thought um, I, I quite I quite enjoyed this game. I did this, because it, it was always um, well. There's always jeopardy to use the phrase we had before. You never knew who was going to lose this or who was going to um, grab it by the scruff and, and I can win it. Both teams were in it for the whole game, 
and Sale were Sale were mainly in it because of um, AJ McGinty's excellent kicking throughout, which which kept them in it despite Gloucester scoring more tries and Gloucester scoring well by far the best try in the Louis Reed Zamet try, which was a bit of <laughs> yeah. brilliance by Lloyd Evans and then Chris Harris and then Louis Reed Zamet to finish it off. Yeah, I, I mean, I think many things about this game, um, many many things. Uh, I do like the team that Sale Sale put out. I'm really enjoying uh, Bevan Rod. I think he is going to turn out to be one hell of a player. And to have him and also... Uh, what hell's his name? How can I have, I've got Ro- uh, Ross, Ross Harrison. Ross Harrison. Uh, both those guys coming through the academy on the loose head for the long for the longest time. Um, you know, Bevan Rod looks like the ultimate successor to uh, Harrison eventually. So that is gr- that is great news. And also having Tom Roebuck in the team, who they've been rating for a long, long time. That is also good. Who almost got an incredible try. Didn't he? I mean, if it's simultaneous, surely you give the try. I would have given that. It felt a bit harsh, didn't it? Yeah. Let the boys play. Um, Yeah. But I look at the sale team, I think there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money in that team out playing. And I look at the Gloucester team, and it's not so much. I mean, it's a good team, but it's not... um, it's not as settled as a sale team. There's not as much expectation on um, uh, 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 on their shoulders. And I actually think if I was a Gloucester fan, I would look at this game against Sale, who were you know, allegedly top four um, with their top four pretensions, and I would look at this previous game against Exeter, against a fully loaded Exeter, uh, and a narrow loss, although it was still a loss. I think yeah, there is a lot of stuff here which is going really well, and I wouldn't be too 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 disheartened. From a sale point of view, I would expect them to do a lot, a lot better, considering where they are, considering how much talent that they have. And I know the coach has changed, so on and so forth. It's going to take a little bit of time to adjust, but I still think they should have done better. Yeah, I, I, I think the the big thing, the big difference with Sale and Gloucester is the coaches. I mean, as in, Dime, Dimes left what two weeks ago in, um. Very surprising circumstances. Seemingly, neither the players nor other coaches, nor even he, was expecting it. Um, and so, I think I think you can forgive Sale to have, even though they've, they've undoubtedly got a very good squad. Um, you can expect some uncertainty and some probably wobbly performances for a few weeks while you go from one regime to another, totally unexpectedly. The the big thing will be how they react in four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks time. Mm-hmm. And this is a top four team, a top four, top four squad in my mind for sale. Will they be able to um, convert it to a top four squad without dimes? That's the question. Yeah, I, I suspect sale are going to go one of two ways now. Way number one is player power is going to take over. And we're going to see a little, you know, we're going to see more of what we've seen uh, previously, which is more direct running, more powerful big men running over and over again. Uh, and I don't want to see that. I don't think, I think it can get you so far, but I don't think it, it can win, it can win you the league. Deacon is legitimately a very, very good coach. If you're ever lucky enough to watch him coach, you'll notice that he has de- uh, details on details. He He knows how to move a ball like pretty much no one else in in the premiership and that's because of his rugby league background so on and so forth the the alternative to sale just playing big heavy runners one up 
is if they start playing like they did maybe three or four years ago and try and work the extremities and playing smart patterns and combining the physicality that they undoubtedly have with the smartness of the deacon the deacon attack the challenge he's going to have is can he get every everyone to everyone to buy in because if he can't i think the answer is they probably should be best moving on sooner rather than later it's early days still yeah it is it is and on on that point it you have to have but if you want to be competing near the top of the premiership you have to have both those strands of your game like extra shown over the last few years like wasps as we said before brilliantly showed the, this weekend you can't just be a one-trick pony because yeah. as soon as you come up against an extra or a Wasps or a Saracens or, yeah. or even a Bath on their day or a, a Leicester with their back row now, you're just going to come unstuck. You've I, got I, to I'd, have both I, elements. Yeah, and I'd hop over to Gloucester and say as much as a lot of Gloucester fans, and I understand it, and a lot of the chat since the game has been about all oh, this decision and that decision and that should happen and this shouldn't and the... We talk about the little fracas at the end with the <laughs> sail uh, water carrier uh, oh, getting involved, yeah. um, but there was plenty that Gloucester had in their control, and they they could and should have put the game to bed. And again, it is that classic thing that there's plenty that, that there's lots of good things happening at Gloucester. Uh, that there's that they should have put that game. Can I, they should have put that game dead. Can I just highlight something which I think is wrong with sail? Right, this is this to me really highlights where the thinking might be wrong to fix the line out they've gone out and got a fourth Dupree unrelated but they've got him and he's what <laughs> six foot one million or something he's absolute, absolutely enormous <laughs> the problem with this is right well for a start when you want to win lineouts consistently you, you don't win them in the air you win them on the ground you win them with cadence you win them with setup you win them by doing the same line out in as many different ways as possible. Well, they haven't just signed someone just because he's tall. They absolutely have, Tim. They absolutely have. If you don't think they've they've just got some, they've just got someone to catch to catch line out ball. I okay. guarantee you that. Okay. So um, what? So what's the issue? So the issue is once that guy is injured, because he will get injured at some point, like all professional rugby players do. Um, you can't rely on him. You've got to rely on the system, and I think this is where Sale have gone a little bit. Of, awry um, here because they used to rely on their system and as they've got better they've started to rely on the players so bringing in a guy just because he's really tall to catch line-out ball is not really good enough what they need to do is get better at line-outs as a unit because that's how you win yeah if that's what they've done then yes I agree but it's still early days like I say that guy's only been at the club a couple of weeks and it? he's very good in the line out I'm not saying he's bad I'm saying he's a bloody good line out jumper that's why he's there but what mm. happens when he's not there oh, it's great to see Josh Beaumont back as well it is of... superb to see Josh great. Beaumont back I've got to yes. say nice bloke over a year out he had a it was uh, he got an infection he had an injury and then an infection I didn't know that yeah which yeah, re- really horrible stuff and then to, to score the winning try but yeah let's talk about that fracas near <laughs> yeah. the end yeah <laughs> you know again double edged sword right so you've seen us in the AJ Bell I don't know what other premiership benches are like Sale have got form in this haven't they yeah they have a little bit yeah like I, I like it you know I like the fact that they've got identity I like the fact they've got a bit of attitude you know they're a, they're a close knit bunch Did you, by the way did you see Ben Curry's Instagram post <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I found it funny. Um, I found it funny. I, um, I could understand why why it was deemed by Ben Curry himself not a wise move afterwards. But to put a picture <laughs> of the water carrier up with goat underneath, <laughs> I found it. I laughed. I laughed. I giggled. 
And I and am, then I had a very stern word myself. Yeah, and I'm I'm concerned. Well, I have said before, I want people to be able to <laughs> show a bit of personality and have a sense of humour. And there's there's nothing worse than chatting to a professional rugby player that you know has a personality <laughs> and a sense of humour. And then as soon as they get a microphone in front of them, they just give you cliches. And going off on one at Ben Curry for this is part of the reason why I, I quite like the sense of humour. Ben Curry clearly wasn't condoning oh he clearly was the behavior he clearly was <laughs> it was a joke <laughs> but well, look look, look 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 this this is what i say right they they have an image sale of being a hard nasty northern club no one likes them blah blah, blah. i love it i mean that that to me is the real appeal of, of sale and i don't know what other premiership teams are like but when i observe the sale bench particularly the backroom staff they can they, they're, they're an enthusiastic bunch they are an enthusiastic bunch and again, I absolutely love it because it shows how, how much they care. And you know, if you're working for a premiership rugby club and you see how much the boys are putting out on, on the field, you do get carried away with that. I have no problem with it. That said, don't touch, don't, don't touch the ball. It's not your game. Yeah, the only mitigation in this one is, well, because it ended up being a net benefit to Sale because they won the penalty, yeah. which then got them in a position to win the game. The, the only thing I would say to just calm everyone, sim everyone down a little bit is... There was a knock-on immediately before that. So even if Billy Twelve Trees had just picked the ball up and tried to take a quick line out, he wouldn't have been able to because it was a knock-on. Yeah. Okay. So the ball was already dead. Yeah. But neither neither the water carrier nor Billy Twelve Trees nor seemingly anyone else who piled in was aware of that Correct. fact. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, it was Josh Beaumont that knocked the ball on. So it would have been a Gloucester scrum and it ended up being a sale penalty. Yeah, I'm trying to work out who who the guy was. Who do you, do you know who? It was? I don't know. I don't know who it is. They, there's a few of them that all just look exactly the same. I think I know. Who it is. Stuff. I, I don't know. know. I don't know what role they have. Yeah, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it, who it is. There's an, like an analyst guy that looks very similar to that, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't I possibly know. say. I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, it was, but hey, on the plus side, we, we got to see a, a, a bit of a frack. A bit of a pile up. I know. Was I quite, good, it was quite old school, wasn't yeah. it? It looked like Marlon Yard was fighting with his own bench. Because like, obviously he's in, he's in like the sale, he's in the sale area. I thought, oh, oh look, I wonder if I wonder if they're settling some some, some internal scores there. I wonder, yeah. <laughs> but they weren't. But they weren't. And I, I can tell you from uh, being at Premiership Rugby grounds, they're very, very strict and stringent on the the red areas, the amber areas, and not mixing. So you have you have certain parts of the ground that certain personnel can go to, yeah. but you can't go past that. Point. Oh, I see. Right, so yes, I'm in yes. an I I stay in an amber area, but not a red area. I'm pretty sure they might have gone over <gasps> from red to amber in this particular Hope occasion. Oh. Didn't see. Anyway. Christ. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all all good fun. All good fun. I uh, my ultimate view on this is don't touch the ball. I don't care if you're a sub. I don't care if you're uh, backroom staff. I don't care who you are. Um, it's not your game. Don't 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 ruin it and don't do anything which can affect the game. Well, which is. Yeah, you can't do that. The flip side, do you remember? But it was good fun. I think it was. It was. And, it, I, and you, I do condone it. You might remember this. You've already used the. <laughs> you've already used the little football uh, reference, Phil. But I seem to remember years ago a, a Liverpool boy, ball boy, getting loads of props from Liverpool fans because Swansea. he because he really, really quickly threw the ball to. Was it not Swansea? It might have been Swansea against no, Liverpool. It's the Swansea there was an Ever- against Everton. Chelsea. I think there was an Everton where they. I can't remember who they might have been playing Chelsea or, or United or City. They were playing one of the big teams. And for the first, I'm sure it was Everton, they had this tactic of unbelievably high tempo um, for the first 15 minutes or whatever it was, 
where all the ball, as soon as the ball went out, they had a ball and they were straight in. So there was no rest, no stop at all. And then they scored. They did that until they scored. And then as soon as they scored, they switched the tactic. Yeah. And the ball was like sitting on the balls, throwing it into the ground. I couldn't find the ball, juggling with them, doing everything to slow the game down. And, and I think they won against sure? one of the big teams doing it. So this sounds like Swansea. I want to say in the FA Cup. Yeah, I think there is something like that Swansea- where... And it was the the ball boy was the son of one of the owners who owned a hotel, if I remember correctly. I'm just getting I, it's all coming back to me. It was against Chelsea because Mourinho went absolutely yes. nuts. Did the ball it boy was... n- deliberately not give him the ball? Or yeah, did did... It, or... yes. yes. Was it Balak? Was... Maybe Balak kicked the ball at one of them. No, it was Eden Hazard, wasn't it? Yes. Now, now it's coming back to us. Was, the ball boy was sitting on it, and I'm sure Hazard kicks it, and the ball boy like falls off it and throws himself on the floor. <laughs> To try and block it. And I think then, does Hazard even kick the ball, boy? I think something happens. He doesn't deserve a kick. Well, that's... that's <laughs> I think if I was Billy Twelve Trees, if he's getting get penalised, he might have gone. He might as well have gone full Cantona. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Twelve Trees did well in a wrestle with Tom Curry. He did. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't think he... I thought, oh, this is going to go horribly now. I mean, terribly, but no. On that pitch, uh, Tom Curry would be quite high up on the list of the last people that I'd want to... Wrestle, yeah, oh, yeah, um, yeah, just yeah. Uh, do you know? I think if anyone is benefiting from hanging around with hard South Africans, it's Tom Curry. <laughs> like he is turning into a supremely mean customer now. I mean, he yeah. was always he's always quite he was always quite nice, and you know, maybe because he was younger. Oh, there's that there's that brilliant talented. video um, at the World Cup where he goes to shake. He gets given a man of the match trophy. And he, oh, goes, yeah. he, he, goes, he holds his hand out to shake the hand of the person giving him the trophy, but that's not a custom in Japan. So he's just <laughs> holding his hand out. Left hanging. Left hanging. Yeah, yeah he's, always in the, he's always in the mix, isn't mm. he now? Quite like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I quite like that. And then the final game. What a game as well. Bristol Bears. <sighs> My word, they were good. Right, I'm going to start with a, a simple comment and you tell me why I am wrong. Sem- Semi-Rad Rada, overrated. You're wrong. You're wrong because no one can ever put him down on the first tackle. He's got one of the most insane steps of any player in world rugby. He's offloading. He's a game-breaking player. He, oh, he certainly offloads a lot. He offloads an awful lot. He does things effortlessly well. He is delivering even when he's got all that that expectation. He's one of the one of the finest, most exciting players in the world. Right. So here is Phil. My, Phil, go on. Add, yeah, and I will add to all of that because I believe all that to be true. Um, I'll add the fact that he he requires and is often marked by at least three players, which creates room all around him. And there's one of the games in the run-up to Bristol's Cup win at the end of last season, I can't remember which one, where there's a try score. I think Johan Lloyd scored it, or maybe um, it might have been the Randall try in one of the games where... The space is there for Randall because there's three players all homing in on Randranda and he doesn't even have the ball. And Randall, there's a pop inside and Randall just goes under the post because mm. Randranda is so dangerous that he just sucks in defenders. So this is why he's good, right? I think his, his top we've end... Ju- we've just told you why he's good. So, so his... tell us why he's not good. <laughs> yeah. Tell us why he's overrated. Yeah. yeah, because he keeps making mistakes. I mean, as simple as that. You ask any top-level professional, uh, rugby player, right? Even though in foul, anyone you can think of, right? What you're working on, uh, just being consistent, right? Decisions, consistency, decisions, consistency. Those two things get come come about over and over again. 
Now, maybe it is a byproduct of exactly how talented Semi is that he does things which are inconsistent. And maybe his absolute top-end performance is miles away from any other player potentially in the world. But he is inconsistent. Like, he runs into, you know, he, he makes um, bad decisions running the ball back. He offloads to nobody. He's susceptible to knock-ons. I mean, he does make a lot of mistakes. Far more I mean, than I'd be comfortable with. I, I would I would take those mistakes from him to have him in, in my team. I honestly would. All like, day. In, in, and any, and that beard, team. that luscious beard it luscious on its beard. own. I mean, he looks great. He looks absolutely the part. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he'd be wonderful if, for instance, you were making a calendar. Um, I don't even know what, what, what position does he play. Thirteen. Is that is that his actual position, or is he a winger, or because he seems to move him around quite a lot? If for Bristol, he's pretty much always played thirteen. But what is uh, he? What is his primary position? I think for um, How... for Toulon and Fiji, he's mainly played, and Bordeaux, he's mainly played thirteen. Mm. That that I, I believe is his first choice primary primary position. Don't get me wrong; he's also one of the best wingers in the world. Yeah, but <laughs> and this he is can what... do he can do anything. But this is kind of what I'd say: How many top international players do you not really know their position? That may maybe every Australian back. Well, we just told you for Fiji, for Toulon, for Bordeaux, and for Bristol, he plays thirteen. Well, I, I I'm not. I think he's a winger personally. But I don't know. I, I don't know. You're clutching his straws, mate. I look. Hey. I just think he makes too many mistakes. It annoys me. Okay. Yeah. You've you've got you've had a downer on Bristol since they stole Sales' um, top four place last season. Even before that, you were saying it would be a failure of, <laughs> of Bristol last season, fail, failed season, and then they got top four and won Europe. Um, it turned out to be a failed season for Sale. Um, coincidentally, I, I don't know why we have to bring Sale into this. <laughs> and just, it just there's, there's um, causation and correlation, and just sometimes coincidences. But um, I'm saying all three happened in this instance. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have one, not a downer on Bristol. Just, uh, just something I've observed. Uh, I've, I've observed, and, I, and I'm watching you, Bristol. Um, their social media guys are the best in the Premiership, better than Leeds United's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they 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 did well in getting some publicity this week. They, they did. They did. We can talk about that if you want. No, I don't. No, want no, it. no, no. Make no, no, okay. it go away. Okay, fine. Uh, anyway, so Bristol's are the best in the business. I'm not taking anything away from them. Nor am I trying to say I'm as good. But I have oh. I have observed. Usually about ten days after I've posted something quite funny, I've noticed Bristol do. Exactly the same. Really? Ooh. Yeah. He's called about this, Tim. So I, I did a, I did a little thing. I can't remember how, what, what, what it was about, but that I, I reused that old, old picture. Do you remember the picture of the, the, the guy, the lad talking to a girl in a nightclub? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yes. I used that. I think classic it was, meme. Cl- classic meme. And I think I used that with an England, sele- uh, England selection thing. Anyway, one week later, Bristol did it about Sam Bedlow scoring the winning kick. Uh, and then, mm. which was fine. That's an fine, isolated absolutely incident. Absolutely fine. Because yeah. it, it, it was like an old meme that I haven't seen for years. I used it, and then a few days later, Bristol used it. Fine. But then I saw, and I took a screenshot of the telly of Countdown, the conundrum, which was he got semi, and I made a joke about that. Oh. And then a week later, 
they use that for their semi randanda. So what I'm saying is I'm very like imitate, imitation. I'm yeah. very I'm, I'm extremely flattered. Equally, I'm watching. Well, this is exactly like the time that I was convinced that Austin Healy was listening to our podcast and copying me. <laughs> Do I remember that? <laughs> like, like, Can you remember the things that you were saying? Yeah, one was Diamond for England coach, which everyone laughed at me for, and then Austin Healy wrote it. I was like, no, it can't be. It can't be. And the other one was um, <laughs> thinking back about it. I mean, it's obvious. You know, to any great intellect, what what should be you know next move for England and maybe it was Hartley as England captain those are the two things which I said that should happen and you know one happened one one didn't so, uh, there's a third one too and I can't remember what it was and I was convinced Austin, Austin Healy was copying me well and anyway what happened since the, tomorrow's telegraph's just come out Austin Healy says naughty step would solve premiership <laughs> 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 and wants to knock on abandoned uh, as, <laughs> as, for, as for Bristol uh, they what possibly one of the greatest tries we've ever seen was denied by a forward pass. So unfortunately, they scored some incredible tries. But what, one of the tries that, that wasn't allowed was out of this world. I'm trying Did to think you, which one that was. It was about f- five different one-handed, one-arm offloads in a row. Hmm. It was incredible. This, that could be solved by something that JB... Um, another one of JB's incredible ideas years ago. This was where you said we should have an excitable eleven-year-old boy, fifteen-year-old boy, <laughs> F- fifty. Okay, fifteen-year-old boy um, in the TMO shipping container, and it goes to on, <laughs> on ones like this. Did you enjoy it? Yes or no? And if it's yes, try it awarded. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But that was a good win for Bristol. Yeah, yeah. it was, and you know, it's it was twenty-nine seventeen in the end. I thought Newcastle stu- stuck at the task phenomenally well. I, I mean, it did get away from him at the end, and I think the, uh, the I think the score somewhat flatters Bristol. But Newcastle were good again. Yeah, the the bit that Newcastle will be frustrated with is Newcastle had to really work hard for all one of all of their tries, all three of their tries. They it was a lot of effort. Whereas the Bristol tries, the Piatau, the uh, now Largo, the the intercept try by Sheedy, the Nathan Hughes try. I mean, Nathan Hughes just waltzes in pretty much unopposed from, from 10 yards out. Yeah. And it just felt once... New, Newcastle put up a good fight for a lot of the game, but there were times where there were just momentary lapses and that's all Bristol needed. And those tries were too, too easy. Um, that's the bit that they'll be frustrated in. Yeah, I th- I think you're right there. I mean, I was watching this. I was thinking, you know, their win against uh, Leicester last week was uh, 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 was not a fluke. And then just as um... their twenty eight nil win was that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think was it the Kolska try? Maybe it really killed it off. They've got another young lad there, haven't they? they Johan have, Lloyd. Yeah. I love that kid. Good, isn't he? Now, uh, not to be down on Bristol, because I'm not down on Bristol. I, I like them an awful lot. But is there any club that has such an obvious haves and have-nots than Bristol? Um, Probably not quite as obvious. Uh, Bristol, it, it really is pronounced, not only because you've got a few guys like uh, Klosker and Johan Lloyd, who are will be on genuine proper academy contracts, um, albeit that might be getting remedied in the case of Johan Lloyd, um, if it hasn't been already fairly soon. But because, I mean, um, Pat Lamb himself last season listed the 22 or 23 players who were 
basically worthless. Yeah, and then worthless. you've got um, Randranda, Piatau, Luatua, Nathan Hughes, who will be on mega books. I mean, allegedly, Sinclair Piatau is like you know not on a million quid. They say he's not on a million quid because it's like nine hundred and something, right? Yeah, it's a lot of Nathan Hughes allegedly half a mil. Yeah, um, Sinks will be similar, if not a bit more. Luatua probably on something like two hundred and fifty k more than Rodranda. I mean, it gives you an idea of what. Yeah, what second highest paid player in the squad? I'm I'm led to believe. Nah, Stephen Luatua, absolutely club captain and all that, hundred percent. And also remember remember when they got him when they weren't good. You know they they, yeah, and he's. He's a an all black in the prime of his career, but it's just I don't think of non eight back rows as being the most expensive players. Yeah, well, you know, if you want an all black to play for your you know potential championship team next year, you better be paying him well. And that's exactly mm. what they did, and that's exactly why they paid um what's his name so well, Peter. So and look, look, it's worked out great. But I'm just saying, like, it must be a difficult change room to to work with because it's so obvious. You know uh, how few players get paid so much, and how many players that they have. Yeah, but then on the flip side, yes, as as we have discussed many times before, you, but if you were in that Bristol squad, you're not going to begrudge Semi Randrandra being paid what he's. God no, I'd, I'd probably give him some of my money. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> one of the moments that really hit home to me when I was lucky enough to be out in France working on that Challenge Cup final against Toulon. And Dave Atwood was so emotional because it's the first trophy he's ever won exactly. in his career. Fair play. Dave Atwood, like a, a, a well-paid former England international. Yeah, that's incredible. And he's never won a trophy. Yeah, you know, I think it's all going to work at Bristol. And it will work because all the, pay, all the players that they pay high money to put in big performances. I think where it goes wrong is where you pay big money for players that don't play well. So, you know, as long as they carry yeah. on playing well, it's absolutely fine because you want to win. But I'm just saying, yeah. it's an interesting way that they've set it up. Mm. It mm. is. And it's, di- it's different to a lot of the teams. Um, but they're doing good things. And, and Pat Lamb is a qual- quality all round. Every time I hear him, I like him. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but equally, Dean Richards, do, but there's plenty to take out of that from Newcastle point of view to think that they're still keeping their wagons rolling. And... Well, look at them. They're third in the what? Second in the table still, and fifth. Are they fifth now? They're fifth. Oh, yeah. of course, because what that was before the mm. that was on that was the Friday game. Um, yeah. So uh, on to fixtures for next week. What we got? What we got? What we got? Uh, we have. Give me assuming all games go ahead, and so I think I'm right in saying London Irish and Harlequins are the ones that. We're oh, technically we had... at fault and so got the two points rather than the four. I thought we had Europe next week, but we don't. We've got no. more premiership. One more round Brilliant. of premiership, then two weeks of Europe, yeah. and then uh, Winter Six Nations wait, pretty much. By wait, then. wait a second. I thought Bath had Exeter next week. Is that? Oh, no. Yeah, that is the case, isn't it? No, it's Bath Wasps, just looking yeah, at the but, fixtures. Ah. They, they seem to have that on beat and BT Sport, didn't they? Hmm. Eighth, no, Friday, 8th of Jan. Yeah, I've got that as well. Um, 2021. Well, I've made that mistake. I didn't. I didn't say that today, did I? No, I didn't. no, no. Uh, the studio said it. Hmm. And I expect P45 tomorrow. <laughs> well, who do Exeter have then? Exeter got someone good. Exeter, Bristol. Exeter got Bristol, of course. Right. So let's get into this then. Bath yeah. Wasps. I mean, you know, on paper it should be Bath. Like every like every team that Wasps go to. Uh, you know, I'm 
I'm going to be absolutely insane if I do not pick Wasps. I think they've cracked the code of rugby but at Wasps. Away at Bath, yes. Has to be Wasps. Has to be. Um, this was the one they managed to sneak a win at last season, which set them up for the playoffs, didn't it? Oh, did you see the... Um... The a sportive thing that they were talking about the the new players that will still be relevant next week. Let's talk about that next time. Okay, fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that is interesting. We have t- touched it previously, but it is interesting. I'm, I'm gonna say, yeah, you probably have to go. Yeah, you will have to go wasps. Yeah, you have to, don't you? Yeah, until yeah. until they stop losing wasps. Sale Worcester, sale, sale please, sale. Yeah. Now this is interesting. Exeter will go out there and want revenge for last week. Exeter or Bristol? But Bristol like to beat Exeter. Mm, at Sandy mm. Park. At Sandy Park. It's where they, it's where they like to go. Um, Exeter will have their England players in now. They'll have done all their resting. This is going to be a cracker. I'm going to say Bristol. Oh, give me Exeter. Exeter. Exeter will... Yeah. No matter who Exeter put out. I think Exeter will want to correct the right, right the wrongs because they were battered and bullied by Wasps, and not many teams can do that to any Exeter team. So Exeter will correct it against Bristol. They will want to dish it out for a change. Uh, Newcastle versus Gloucester. <laughs> Give me Newcastle at home. I two will say Newcastle. Um. I want this one to be like ridiculously cold on an artificial pitch, so it won't be called off, but it will be like minus ten and yeah. Newcastle to sneak it. Yes, I'm going to go Newcastle, and then this is such an exciting game, isn't it? Northampton v Leicester. Did we not have this penned in as Leicester's potential first win of the season? Pot- potentially, yes, we did. Back in the day, we said Leicester would lose all their games because Bath were meant to be good. So they'd be on one win now. Who was their one win against? Gloucester. And then it'd be Northampton. If they beat Northampton, all of a sudden, the Tigers seem like they're in business. Northampton will have had a rest. And another win, back-to-back wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they make it into a three-game a three three streak. I am going to go with Northampton. Oh, that's a stupid... A stupid I, I'm actually... On the basis of what I saw today... And what I've seen recently, I'm going to go with Leicester, and I think the scrum is going to lose it for Northampton. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. The scrum Price is a good it? point. Um, it's a key question for me: is will Borthwick be still self isolating? Because if he is, give me Leicester. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, mm. This is such a this is such a good game. Yeah, I mean, that's not that will good... be a great game. Uh, really looking forward to that. I think Saints probably or have the, they probably have the ability to play slightly more a, a comprehensive rugby, and they're going to be off an extra week's rest, getting healthy, and they're at home. And Leicester did. I mean, it wasn't an easy win today. No, and they don't have depth. So Northampton, I think. That said, I've not seen Northampton play as well as Leicester did today, which would balance yeah. out. <clears throat> Northampton managed to get that win against Worcester, but they've not played great, have they? 
for a long for a long time. When so they give me Leicester, yeah, when they suddenly had a bit of physicality and managed to get some, you know, some uh, Tamana Harrison busting the game line a little bit and and Courtney Law smashing team people in defence, they suddenly looked more like the old Northampton. But I think they're going to meet <clears throat> a bit of a brick wall from Leicester and and the scrum. I think. I'm going to put it. I'm going to say we're going to be saying on Sunday the scrum lost the game for Northampton, mm. uh, and then the final game is the West London derby. Now London Irish are back in Brentford. They are they are back on each other's patches, and my brother lives in Hampton, just right next to Twickenham, and uh, this this is a rivalry. This is, is a, it? this is a rivalry. Now, are they both aware that they're each other's rivals? It's not like <laughs> it's not it's not like Harlequin Saracens. I think they are. I think they will be once again. Now this is this is both right on the same patch. They're fishing in the same pond Ooh. for fans and stuff. So I think I think there'll be a, an extra edge to this one. Assuming it goes ahead, uh, because these two teams are the ones that had the COVID situations this weekend just gone. Yeah, do you mm. know. I quite I quite like London Irish. I I think they've got a bit a, a bit about them. Um, they've been slowly building, and will they have enough to beat Harlequins? I mean, I guess this I guess this game is going to be more about Harlequins than it is about London Irish because I've seen Harlequins play absolutely abysmal rugby, and if they play like that against anyone in the Premiership, they're going to come unstuck. So it's going to be down to what type of Harlequin sh- Harlequin shop. Uh, effectively, Harlequins are now a really bad version of France. <laughs> I'm going to go Quins at home, sneaking it. I don't think they sneak games. I think they're going to absolutely... Oh, they've lost James, uh, James Lang this week. Do you hear that? He's gone to Edinburgh. Oh, good for him. For, for next season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, I don't think Harlequins sneak games, Tim. I think you've got to say Harlequins sneak a loss or the, or they run away with it. Harlequins are going to win. I, 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 mm. Yeah, give me, give me Harlequins. Give me a Marcus Smith masterclass. Really good fixtures this week. I really like the yeah. look of those. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to be boring. I think Harlequins, probably. Okay. Right, there you go. Uh, there we go, another podcast done. The the podcast that, that is with you 52 weeks a year. And if you appreciate that fact, then why don't you hit subscribe if you've not already? Why don't you tell a friend? Uh, why don't you share the podcast uh, widely on social media? We're at Rugby Podcast. He's at JB Moore. I'm at Cocker. Uh, Phil is lurking with his DMs open, but he knows where you are. You don't know where he is. As uh, it should be. Until, until next time. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.